0: Without criticism no administration and no country can succeed and no republic can survive. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. And that is why our press was protected by the first amendment. The only business in America specifically protected by the constitution, not primarily to amuse and entertain not to emphasize the trivial and the sentimental, not to simply give the public what it wants, but to inform, to arouse, to reflect, to state our dangers and our opportunities, to indicate our crises and our choices, to lead, mold, educate, and sometimes even anger public opinion. This means greater coverage and analysis of international news, for it is no longer far away and foreign, but close at hand and local. It means greater attention to improved understanding of the news, as well as improved transmission. And it means, finally, that government at all levels must meet its obligation to provide you with the fullest possible information outside the narrowest limits of national security. And so it is to the printing press to the recorder of man's deeds, the keeper of his conscience, the courier of his news, that we look for strength and assistance, confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent.
1: Welcome to The Machine, everyone. I am your host, Mario, here with my co-host, Jeff Rowe. Journey with us as we adventure into conspiracy theories and the unexplained. Welcome back to The uh, Machine, everybody. I am here with Jeff Rowe. Jeff Rowe, how are you? Good, good. How are you doing, Peter? I'm good. I'm tired, buddy. Do I look tired? Uh, we're both exhausted. Very, very tired. Very exhaust- exhausted. I can't talk today for whatever reason. So get ready. This is going to be a hell of a ride. Uh, just me trying to learn how to speak here as I go along. And um, you know what? Tomorrow's,
2: tomorrow? tomorrow's Veterans Day, right? Yes. As we record this, tomorrow's Veterans Day. So... We wanted to say thank you to all the veterans out there. We know we have a lot of veterans that are
1: listeners. Absolutely. Thank you to all the veterans. We appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, although some, some people may listen to our podcast and go, Oh, you're anti-American. No, not quite. Not not quite at all. Not at all. Not even a little bit. No, we're, we're pretty we're
2: pretty American.
1: Oh, man. I'm, I'm leaving, Jeffro. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to be... Uh, I'm gonna be in Florida next week. Just missed the hurricane nu- Nicole. I don't know if he called a hurricane. People are so they like to make things bigger than what they actually are. You know, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it was really her hurricane classification. I think at the last minute they called it a Cat One or whatever. But
2: uh, I don't know. Hopefully everybody's okay. Right. Is this the infamous belly-of-the-beast vacation that we've heard this so much is about? belly-of-the-beast
1: vacation. I'm going down there to wave my dick around, and I don't give a... No, I'm joking.
2: They Not going to do that. They Not might g- welcome that down well, there. Well, yeah,
1: you know, that that kind of thing. They,
2: I'm sure they do. I'm sure they throw me a parade, too. Just saying. Just find <laughs> out where Club 33 is down there, and you'll be more than welcome with They'll open arms. They'll tote
1: me to a little island. Ooh. Ooh too far i don't think so it's right around the corner jeffro jeffro let's get started on this podcast here we're gonna we're gonna wrap up the trilogy of our breakaway civilization we inserted uh our last episode with hauntings of ohio those guys are awesome and uh very, very entertaining. If you haven't caught some of their videos on YouTube, definitely go check them out. You can go. Uh, you can find the link on our website and uh, get on there. Which you know, and we're still. Uh, I have people looking for us, Jeff. I don't know if I told you this. I have people. We're looking. busy. We're busy. We're very busy. We're not busy. Very busy. We're not. We're not busy. I'm it's so busy. I don't know if there's going to be time for us to have. A we're crust. going. We're. It's gonna happen, oh, buddy. Nah, we're going to happen, we I'm busy. We're going, and you know, I've been keeping in touch with uh, you, with the guys there and Jack, everybody. They're 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 excited. They're they're ecstatic to have us. At some point, we just got to get some schedules moved around. Probably won't happen anytime soon, but we're going to work on it. We're going to get out there. I'm dragging your ass out there. It's a work
2: in progress. It is very very long, very long. It's going to happen. Progress.
1: It's going to happen. Um, they already said they would provide the diapers and the wipes and everything, so you're you're good. uh, Okay that may very well come in handy. Oh, uh, Jeffro, Breakaway Civilizations part 3, the wrap up, right? The culmination. The culmination. What the culmination. Do, what have you got for us? Cuz beginning of this episode we played a clip from JFK uh speaking out
2: about It's the famous secret secret, yeah. secret society speech that he gave. Right. Um he gave that on I believe it was uh, let me. See, I have a date. Isn't I think it was crazy, April. It's crazy how a president then
1: can speak about secret societies as 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 if it's it's not taboo to talk about. But if you do it these days, you're a conspiracy theorists, right? We had a president in the previous administration that talked about it, and you know his people who agreed with that were we're all just a bunch of conspiracy theorists, and it's you know f- okay, whatever. Uh, you, it, you say conspiracy theorists like it's a bad thing.
2: Well, no, I mean, the actual definition is, what, two or more people conspiring on something to keep it secret? So, to meet the definition of conspiracy isn't very difficult. Derived from the CIA during JFK assassination to try to (laughs) discredit a lot of people. But no, yeah, and this date's going to play an important part here on this presentation. It was April 27th, 1961 that that speech was done. So, you know, keep that in the back of your guys' mind. I'm sure he will. Uh, oh. Bad joke. Sorry.
1: Oh. Look, if we can't laugh about these things, man, what are we doing with our? You have to be able to laugh about
2: anything and everything. Well, I mean, if we don't start laughing about some of the stuff that uh, I have kind of dived into, then you know we're wasting our time here. You don't seem much of a diver, more of a cannonball kind of guy. Cannonball, yeah. I'm. I'm.
1: <laughs> my shape is very cannonball like. Yes. Hey. Our shape. I believe one of our one of our followers on Discord called me pudgy, which was I took that as a compliment. He said, "I, I can't remember who it was. I want to say, I don't want to say because if I get it wrong, I'm going to offend somebody." But somebody said I was pudgy, and I was like, "Oh shit, he thinks I'm pudgy." Yeah, right, <laughs> right. That's a that's a win for me. I'll take that. Absolutely. Yeah, I wish I was pudgy. You are pudgy, my friend. Extremely pudgy, yes. <laughs> Stay pudgy, my friend.
2: Stay pudgy. <laughs> all right, back to some more serious stuff here yes. real quick. Um, so, going back to the first two episodes of this series, we try to hammer home the whole idea of secret information, secret technology, and how, going all the way back to the 1850s and the 19th century there, yeah, we were talking about zero gravity in the late 1800s, right? 1850,
1: yeah. 18, that's, that's insane. We're it's talking absolutely about insane. technology that that people claim does not exist, that we have no way of, of even fathoming, having our hands upon, which now we're seeing that that's, that's not so much true. I mean, all you have to do is look up this, this information that We've given you, in the past, two
2: Breakaway Civilization episodes. Do a little research, look into this stuff, and it's it's there. Absolutely. And and before we get to the end of this podcast, we're going to disclose a lot of information that if you, up to this point, don't believe that there's that technology available, there will be very little doubt that, at the very least, it's plausible. But I would, with, with what I've found, I, I think... It's no doubt that we have that technology. But yeah, we're we're basically going all the way back from the Racine Engine up through the Sonora Aero Club, up through Solomon Andrews, up through Keeley, up through T Townsend Brown and Tesla, all the way up into World War Two, right? We we've touched based on all this information and going forward, we left the very end of the last podcast with Walter Bosley's Sort of breakdown of what he was thinking, what actually happened with Operation Paperclip. He said that it followed the same model that the Yonkers and the Prussians followed when infiltrating a organization or a government that was a foe to them, basically rotting them in from the rotting them from the inside out. And there's pretty much to this point, no doubt. That the majority of the elites that were in the Nazi regime had escaped to South America, whether it be Bariloche, Argentina, or parts of Chile, and even parts of Antarctica down in New Schwabland.
1: Right, because there was even—if I do recall—there was even a short documentary on the History Channel. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was called. We'll say it was, you know, finding Hitler or chasing Hitler because there was a lot of speculation of whether or not Hitler actually died. It
2: was said that he possibly could have escaped to South America. I'm glad you led that into that uh, point because we actually have a clip Do we regarding we, that.
3: We have that clip.
2: Let's play that clip.
3: And a lot of Nazis did escape and go to South America.
4: The majority of anyone with power. The Nuremberg trials were... A winch, not a winch hunt, but it was to close a chapter so we could start moving forward with communism. That's what it was. The, the threat of fascism, the threat of Hitler, the, the mm-hmm. threat of killing all the Jews, the threat of world domination by the Nazis, that threat's gone. What's the next threat? communism it's communism right so that had to be a closed chapter of our history so we could focus our resources and our efforts to what inevitably was going to I mean the wall goes up we have right. east and west Berlin you know we're already looking at Korea I mean this this happens almost overnight right very quickly you know when Patton's like no no homies we need to go all the way to Ma- Moscow this is not the end of our war and we didn't listen to him um, we then have been you know fighting communism for the past 75 years
3: so the, the ones with power that went to South America, I know a bunch of them went to Argentina, uh-huh. uh, but they think uh, they went to uh, Honduras and a few other places. Mm-hmm. Where, where do they think they wound up? So what you had in South
4: America, both Chile and Argentina, back to back, had fascist regime, regimes. You had uh, Perón, who was part of the Nazi party starting all the way back into the mid-30s. He's the president of Argentina. So the Red Cross... Um they were facilitate, there was about three different rat lines that guys were able to successfully get out of Europe into South America. Um, and th- these are, there's no question that we're talking thousands, if not tens of thousands of high ranking Nazis made it there.
3: Tens of thousands. Tens of
4: thousands. And I'm not talking like little soldiers. I'm talking high ranking Nazis. Officers, guys like Joseph Mengele and Adolf Eichmann. I mean, these are the most disgusting, despicable humans to exist at the time. If Hitler, if Hitler is dead, Joseph Mengele is the guy that would take syringes full of blue ink and inject them. Oh, and you have blue eyes, Joe, or you have brown eyes. Let, Let me see if I can make them blue. Oh wow. And then take twins and start torturing them to see if one would feel the pain. That's Joseph Mengele. I mean, that's the guy that then in South America was helping, um, high ranking Argentinians, have abortions and he set up um, have you seen the movie Colonia no. about Colonia Dignidad which is uh, if you're listening right now I almost warn you not to google it because it, it is it, it was a torture camp that was started by Joseph Schaefer a Nazi and Joseph Mengele the the doctor of death that escaped trial in Nuremberg and made it um, on the behest of Peron into Argentina he set up the hospital at Colonia Dignidad, which was another safe house, safe haven for more Nazis in South America, um, go to my air and David and Ben Gurion, the presidents of Israel, um, they ha- they took the gloves off and they were just sending assassins to try to find these people and kill them. Um, but what you got in South America were isolated German-only communities. You could go into Bariloche, Argentina, and you know I'd be like, "What else amigos?" and they're like. Guten Morgen? I'm like, oh. Yeah, I, 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 I meant good morning. Yeah, sorry. It's 2017, right? I thought we spoke Spanish here. So
3: in 2017, you were there and they were speaking German. Yeah.
4: Whoa. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I don't look very... I might look more European than right. I do. So it's just them seeing me walking down the street and be like... Wow. Yeah. And there's tons of communities. I mean, if you go to Colonia Dignidad, which is now called Via Bavaria, the villa bavarian village it is uh only german whoa in the center of chile in the mountains of chile like you there's no spanish being being spoken there it is exclusively german and these
3: are descendants of nazis powerful nazis holy shit and this is going on right now yeah yeah and what are these communities like i mean what's their ideology are they i mean they're pretty white Yeah, but are they like? (laughs) I mean, are they? Do they espouse Nazi values or not
4: openly? So, Colonia Dignidad. uh, If you look at the second generation, there's a bunch of. So, it was a huge problem for Chile that they tried to hide for years, and they they got so much power from the torturing that they did at Colonia Dignidad on a whole bunch of other. High-ranking South American dictators, that they are almost untouchable, and this this is—I mean—you'd you, blow your mind if you look into this, Joe. You'd you'd love it, but um, the second generation, the kids, like the grandkids, sometimes they're even more fanatical than the original generation. Have you ever seen this? Where, like, if somebody's away from, like, when you travel abroad, man, it's so cool to, like, to get into the culture and get into the food and get into the, like, you're dancing the this style and you're, you love the flag and you're like, oh, I'm gonna go to a soccer game because we don't go to soccer games in America and then I'm gonna go. But then maybe after, like, two months, you kind of miss home, you know? And then, like, a year, like, you really miss home. And then 10 years, like, you really, really miss home. And you see the same thing in the United States where it's not really a perfect assimilation. It's not the melting pot where you see generations that are espousing to be more like their ethnic heritage than they are American. You know, they're flying the Irish flag and like, I'm, I'm Irish. Um, well, it's just times a thousand with these communities because they're exclusively German. Whoa. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Kind of weird.
3: So, exclusively German and really missing home.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So
3: 70 years later.
4: The second generations i was talking about um some of them came to the united states and were high ranking white supremacists that are now in jail in prison for their racial crimes
3: and they came out of south america
4: they came out of colonia dignidad they came out of Bariloche. they came out of cordoba they came out of misiones they came out of yeah
3: wow
4: yeah crazy so that's the show hunting hitler
3: Fucking A man. So how many people are we talking about all told in South America that come come out of this? I mean, tens of thousands went there, but how many German communities and what how big are they? Yeah, we maybe have 50 German communities. Fifty. <laughs> how many people? If you had to guess?
4: A few hundred thousand.
3: Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> a
4: yeah.
3: few hundred thousand yeah. descendants of Nazis. Yeah. Wow.
4: Yeah. And man, it's weird when you walk into somebody's parlor and it's like you're stepping back in time into Europe. Like I'm walking in, it's, it's 2017 and I'm walking in Buenos Aires, Argentina into somebody's parlor and all of the tile is European and all the style and all the art is very German. You know, we we have like deers and not, not like red stags. We're talking german everything things that hitler loved and that's the style and that's everything and then they come out and like with white gloves they're holding their grandpa their grandfather's um memory box and inside of it are his war medals from you know when he was in the ss or when he was and it is the respect the I don't even know the reverence. Right. Yeah, I mean it's like whole, like it's the it's like this is a gift from the Pope that they're holding in their hands, white gloves. No, I can't. For, first of all, Tim can't touch it. That's, but I can appreciate it. And then they tell me the story of every single one of these things and how he got there, and how he then went and worked for the Buenos Aires News. You can't
3: and, touch anything.
4: No, oh, they wouldn't. No, because I come.
3: You're, you're dirty.
4: I'm dirty. Dirty American. Look at these. this you this. Too brown. Yeah. <sighs> Fuck, man. So we followed. The first two seasons, it was really just unraveling the rumors of what happened to Hitler. The third season was my favorite because I actually got to do real work. They said, okay, I got to the second season. I got to bring in more special forces guys, um, a CIA targeter, Nadia, um, who helped my unit kill Zarkawi in 2006. That This is the team that is now looking at real evidence trying to figure out, okay, how did we find Bin Laden? How did we find Zarkawi? We looked at their associates and we looked at how they moved. We looked at how they communicated. We looked at what routes they were using to get to and from places. And then we just started tightening the noose. And that's exactly what we did in this third season was, okay, let's start following the Adolf Eichmanns. Let's start following the Joseph Mengele's and let's start following the Um Hitler's personal bodyguard. That was a colonel in the SS that went on to work for everybody after the war fighting. I mean, fascists do not like communists. So this guy was working for everybody to include the CIA fighting fascism in South America. Or fighting communism as a fascist in South America in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Whoa. Creepy stuff.
3: Whoa.
4: Yeah. So. So. Hunting Hitler.
3: Are there any legitimate eyewitness accounts of hitler in south america or are potentially legitimate absolutely potentially whoa
4: yep Eyewitness accounts. I saw him get off a boat. I saw him meet here and If it was just some person saying it It's almost meaningless right, but if you look at the context of who this person is the wealth that they have that they shouldn't have, like, can can you explain how you got so rich in two generations? You know, like, okay, your grandpa got here from Germany in 1946. That's weird, um, <laughs> and, and he he he's on a, a legitimate visa with an Argentinian passport, also weird, um, and now he's a war refugee that's now worth millions of dollars. How how does this how does this work? Um, so. But people, and then this is the hard part, people want to be connected to significant events, and and especially in small rural areas of the world, um, developing areas like they want, there's so nothing, there's so little happening, they want to be attached to something massive, and like the fact that they saw a U boat land on this beach. And the pot, the hatch opened, and you know this. These cars were sitting there, and they were doing Morse code. And this guy gets off, and he had this little mustache. You're like, well, for U-boats can't beach. That's not how that works, right, you know. Right, and right. and but you know what they're trying to do. They just want to be connected. Yeah. So and now we're removed seventy to eighty years from the facts. It it has been painful to try to use. Real science, real investigative tools, to try to sift through this lore. You know,
3: what do you think happened? I mean, you've been you've been studying this for how long now?
4: Three years. Three years. Yeah. If you
3: if you had a guess, if you had like a million bucks, you got to put it on one side or another. Did he go there? Yeah. Whoa! I Jesus Christ!
4: I would say. Man, it's it's and that and that's the first time I've ever said it flat out like that. What 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 I want to say is, the way history is written is wrong. That that's that's clear. There's no way that we can say he died on this day. This is what happened. Here is his body, so and that's the, what the
3: physical proof is for sure. The woman. That that head yeah. that they were saying was Hitler is definitely not Hitler. It was that, absolutely that's not. A Hi- that's a fact. So they don't have Hitler's body.
4: So then our other option was, okay, is it Ava Brahms? Did they just grab the wrong right. body, right? right? So there are still descendants of of Ava, and we tried to have them allow us to do it. Then we tried to go through, like, um, they, And
3: they can get DNA off of the skull? Yeah. There's meat on it? No, it's, it's
4: like a Teeth. tooth. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, um... But they wouldn't consent to it. So then we tried to do, you know, like where people have like the the tree, mm-hmm. their ethnic tree. Yeah. What is those websites called?
3: Twenty three and Me.
4: Yeah, yeah. There's like a bunch of them. Right. We tried to go that route, but um,
3: they the, wouldn't consent to it. No. The Ava Bronze family.
4: No. They just want it gone.
3: They just don't want it. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah.
4: super pissed that we even found them. I'm sure. Which was hard. Which was really hard.
3: Just hold them down. Get them to spit in a bucket. Yeah.
5: <laughs> the, uh,
3: I know. I, ca- <laughs> I mean. Or pull their trash and pull yeah. stuff out of there. No, I would to totally know. not do that. Definitely not do that. Um, but. I mean, that's how they caught the Golden State Killer, right? It was off of a fuck cigarette butt. Yeah. They got DNA off a of cigarette butt. So history's wrong. Wow. To, for it to be black and white like that. And, Fuck,
4: man. and if, and again, if you go back to 1945, um, we needed scientists, we needed every single German electrical engineer, mechanical engineer, aerospace, anything yeah. you're on the V2 program, you, you know, any, we want all of you. Cause now it's a race. It's a race. We have the bomb. Now we need delivery systems. Now we need to get to the moon. Now we need to, you know, like all of those things are real time. It's a war, a yeah. war of dollars and a war of science. And um, we got all those scientists. Yeah. The Russians didn't.
3: Well, they got some. Some, not yeah. very many. Operation Paperclip was what, what brought over the, what Werner von Braun, who was, when you talk to Jews that were in Berlin during the time that Werner von Braun was running his rocket program there, he would hang the five slowest Jews in front of the rocket factory in Berlin just to give everybody motivation to work harder. Yeah. It was the Simon Wiesenthal Center said that if Werner von Braun was alive today they would prosecute him for crimes against humanity. Yeah. He was a Nazi. Straight up Nazi. And people there's apologists that say, no no no. He was a scientist. He was forced into doing that. Like that's like okay. He's a Nazi. Yeah. There's photographs of him wearing Nazi garb, hanging out with Nazis. He the, his rocket factory killed Jews like this is; these are all undeniable facts. Except the war
4: that, ends and they're not Nazis right, anymore. Exactly. That's not how that works.
3: Exactly. But they were for, they were forgiven because they came over and contributed to our rocket program. I'm
1: not that I'm not that good of a human. I don't have that yeah. in me. So, Jeffro, it's almost like uh, it's almost exactly what you and I have been saying since previous episodes, even before this series that we're releasing now with Breakaway Civilizations. That the Nazis never really left they just indoctrinated and become part of the world. They've become the Fourth Reich
2: now. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's interesting. Uh, this, this is a pretty good series if you guys ever get a chance to watch it. It's very interesting. And it sort of just establishes... Now, what was the actual name of this series? Because I was trying to remember what Finding it was. Hitler, I believe. Was it was Finding called? Hitler, on, His, okay. on History Channel. Um, and again, if you guys want to reference it, he says it a few times in the, in the interview there. But... At this point, when we when we talk about you know the U-boats going down there, and the United States capturing several of them, and capturing the fact that they had mercury in the hull, mm. and uh, all this all this exotic technology was shipped down to South America, uh, and Antarctica. I mean, the paper trail, like he says, it's it's almost undeniable, and. Then you, you wrap that over into the same information that Walter Bosley has, right? And he talks about how this is exactly how they infiltrated basically what, what became the military-industrial complex, right? Um, or what I like to call the bureaucratic state. Because now this is going to fall back onto some of the stuff that we are recovered but it's important because these dates are fascinating. And, <laughs> you know, before I get into these dates, was there anything that you wanted to add from that clip as, as a response? No, not really. Okay. So we're going to dive into this, and this is going to be very interesting. Okay. We've covered Admiral bird mm-hmm. and... Operation paper Oper- Operation uh, High Jump. Operation High Jump, sorry. Yeah. I got the paperclip on the Uh Operation High Jump. Now, what's interesting was Operation High Jump started in August 26, 1946, right? That's when they started. That's when they started heading down there. And it lasted all the way into February of 1947. What's interesting about this, and I'm going to go down a timeline here, and this timeline, when laid out, just kind of boggles the mind. And if at any point something catches your attention, please go ahead and stop me.
1: I, I feel like you're you're waiting for something to catch my... Because you're, you're, you haven't disse- disseminated any of this information to me yet. No. This is on the fly. Because I've been so busy. Yeah. I've been ridiculously busy. So whatever you're about to tell me, I'm learning just like our listeners are right now. You've done your research on this.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. Absolutely. So
1: you're looking for me to
2: react here. Go ahead. Okay, uh, so... Forty six to forty seven, Operation High Jump. Now, what ends up happening is nineteen forty seven becomes an extremely important year. Coincidentally, again, it's adds up to twenty-one. Take it what you will from that. But in June 24th, on June 24th, 1947, Kenneth Arnold reported a sighting near Mount Rainier in the state of Washington. This is where the newspapers latch on to the to the idea of flying saucers. This right. is this is where on that report the the terminology sort of caught fire, and everybody's like, "Okay, the flying saucers." Just a month later, July eighth, nineteen forty seven, was Roswell. Okay. Okay. Now, at this point, I can only imagine. You have High Jump. You have Kenneth Arnold. And then you've got Roswell. Okay. The Defense Department is shitting their pants. Okay. They don't know what to think. They don't know what's going on. They see all this exotic technology. And they're like, we've got to do something. Because we don't know the origin of this. this Whatever this technology is. We've got to develop something. Okay. So... On July 26, 1947, something called the National Security Act was passed by Congress. July 26. So think about that. August 26, 46 to 47.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: June 24th, 1947. July 8th, 1947 Roswell. Two weeks later, the N- National Security Act, which is a public law number 235, uh, 61 Stat.496. It's an act to promote the national security by providing for a secret Secretary of Defense, the National Military Establishment, for the Department of the Army, Department of the Navy, and for the coordination of the activities of the National Military Establishment with other departments and agencies of the government concerned with the national security. security, Excuse me. So, with that act, guess what is implemented? July 26th, the DOD is created, the Department of Defense. Just a few months later, the CIA is created, September 18th, 1947. The same day, The United States Air Force was created on September 18th, 1947. Now, is that a coincidence? Because remember, anything that was aerial prior to this, it was the Navy, not the Air Force. The Air Force wasn't created yet. right?
1: So basically, our defense is, like you said, shitting themselves. Oh, yeah. Right? What is this technology? This is leaps and bounds beyond what anybody here can imagine. What's going on?
2: Absolutely. Yep. And. Uh, so. Obviously,
1: they don't. Well, not everybody. OK, but you, I mean, come on. Somebody knows. Somebody, somebody knows. knows. This was right after Bird had you know, made his. Not even
2: a year. Not even a year. Not right? even a year. And not even a year. Roswell happens. Not even a year. And I would be remiss if I didn't also mention that the Nag Hammadi Library was also found in 1947, (laughs) with the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1945. So there's also always a religious context to this, too. But if that was it, that would be crazy. Wasn't it always suggested that the Nazi Party
1: was heavily invested into finding promised land, like... Like secret technology? Secret technology, uh, ancestral technology from, you know, the
2: pure breed. Right, pure. Right. They, they looked in India right. for the Vimanas, Right, exactly. All that type, all that type exactly. of information.
1: So, so what, if, what if they found... What if they found this? What if they found beings?
2: Right? Okay, you're smiling. Yeah. I, I injected... Well, it. I mean... Just just referencing back to the previous episodes, we talk about Maria Worsik, you know, tapping into, channeling other beings, right? Yes. You know, the, you know, tapping into and getting uh, information from channeling the Sumerian texts, right? The, okay. The, the, you know, the Sumerian gods being the Anunnaki. Right. Uh, but, it, yeah, so they... they all along was looking into, and in, in the Nazi symbol itself. This is this is down in Antarctica, right? This is down in Antarctica. And how many times have we
1: heard reports from different uh, military personnel and people who have been in Antarctica talking about the different things that
2: they've seen down there, tunnels, caves, caverns with glyphs, something's there right well and then you have going back several episodes can't remember exactly what episode it was but that fitbit was showing that there was people using the fitbit technology all under the you know underground of of uh antarctica right right um and some of these tracking devices that were supposed to be used for you know personal fitness were tracking you know different paths and they didn't you know they had to sequester that information and and hide it um but if just this was information was just if it was just these organizations that would be crazy it's not there is a also organization called the INR which is the Bureau of Intelligence and Research it was also created in 1947 I got a real quick uh blurb here from uh comes from their website and it describes the INR like this. The Bureau of Intelligence and Research is a bureau of the Department of State and a member of the intelligence community. Its mission is to deliver timely objective intelligence that advances U.S. diplomacy. Secretary of State George Marshall established the INR in 1947 as a direct descendant of the Office of Strategic Services which became the CIA. Um research department, making it the oldest civilian intelligence element in the U.S. government. The Bureau is led by the Assistant Secretary of State for Intelligence Research. So again, the INR is another bureaucratic institution that was created possibly out of fear. And I I want to bring everybody's attention to one more prior to uh, me getting your reaction to this. Also, The National Science Foundation was created in 1950. And we see very closely how science and government, at least recently in the last two years, have gone hand-in-hand, walking in lockstep with anything that they want to sort of deliver information as far as uh, propaganda or whatever to the public. So it's, it's interesting that all these organizations came about around the same time. Oh, well, I mean, look at NASA alone, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's kind of on the list, too, because we can keep going, but I wanted to stop before I kept going. <laughs> so, you know, this is just 1947. Okay. Okay, now this spreads out a little bit more, um, but before we go any further, I want to bring everybody's attention to the UFO flap in 1952 over D.C., the famous flap. Right. This flap happened between July 12th and July 29th in 1952, and overwhelmingly people kept seeing the same thing over and over and over. And again, <laughs> this freaked people out. And this is what we discussed the last episode where I was like, I I honestly believe with the research that I found that this was something completely out of context for both Americans and even this breakaway Nazi civilization. Because I think it... it forced them, I think this was the event that forced them to to align and create the secret deep state. But uh, interestingly, right after this, this happened in July 52 in November, November 4th 1952, the National Security Agency was created. So Wait no, I I thought you said it was created in '47. That was the National Security Act, which is sort oh, of the okay. precursor right. to right. creating all these bureaucratic sort of I compartmentalized you know right, um, you know defense central intelligence sort of organizations right like <laughs> creating the Patriot Act before oh why <laughs> right, am I getting ahead of everything again okay. <laughs> no no um well I kind of I kind of try to keep it to the you know middle of the 20th century here. Uh, but later on, you know, if you want to do homeland security after September 11th, which we've covered before, yeah, it seems like any time there's, oh, I think we have much to get into <laughs> with that, you know, when we've been talking
1: about it. Maybe, maybe even have a guest here, possibly soon. Oh, okay, great.
2: So no. that's something that I don't know about, or a couple of guests, I don't know, right? So again, the NSA, the National Security Agency, and then in April on on April 11th, 1953 there was the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services was also created. So, I think it's interesting that all these departmentals, um, bureaucratic, compartmentalized, basically, defense organizations or, or, you know, bureaus just pop up all, all at the same time. And if, if we're going off of my premise, that that flap really sort of caused maybe a, a partnership between the knots this breakaway Nazi group and, and our you know at least elite right. uh, government society
7: well this
1: health health and human services that, that 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 rings an alarming bell in my mind when you talk about that because to me personally anytime you have uh, if anything okay I'm not going to claim to be right or left here I'm just not going to I'm not going to get into it politically but if anything, I am anti big government, right? If if anything, I am very anti big government. And when you start implementing and you allow your government to implement the greater notion of it knows what's best for your health, that's when and forgive me for sounding crazy or conspiracy theorist, that's when trials begin. That's when testing begins that's when the guinea pigs are a mass
2: and that's exactly why i included that into this list because on its surface you wouldn't think anything nefarious of that you would think oh well obviously the country would need something like that but my thinking was along those same lines that we're talking about the nazi regime who has been who was very well known to practice
1: you different radical experiments on uh
2: people animals whatever right well i don't i don't think we were quite in cahoots with the nazi regime quite yet to this point because like i said the 52 incident with the flap ufo flap i think was the final straw was the final straw where the americans were like okay we know about something that's going on down in south america we need to we need to you know connect with them and i i was thinking the 1953 Uh, health and human services was a reaction to, okay, what's going to happen if there is an extraterrestrial invasion? How would we be able to handle any sort of wounded uh, with exotic technology or or anything like that? So um, do we have to worry about any sort of alterations or, uh, you know, I don't know. I just, I thought it was important because it was a, you would have thought it would have been a society or a designation or a group that had already existed and it didn't come about until this time. So, right after this 1953 period is whenever the Eisenhower meeting happened. right? <laughs> the famous Eisenhower. Yeah, the, the meeting treaty. in the desert. The treaty. The treaty. The supposed treaty. And you proposed that maybe the UFO flap over D.C. was a false flag by the breakaway civilization on the last podcast and mm-hmm. I propose that it was a legitimate possible extraterrestrial. Both okay. could be true. Right. Okay. But, but either following, way. Following, you have the Eisenhower Treaty. You have
1: the Eisenhower Treaty with somebody. Which, okay. So for those who haven't heard in the previous podcast, the Eisenhower Treaty goes like this there was a treaty between President Eisenhower and extraterrestrials. Correct. Right. And along with that treaty, I'm trying to remember bits and pieces. Again, I'm I'm, I'm tired. I've been going on and on with work and, and OT, but they are allowed to experiment on us in exchange for technology. However, they have to put us back. So if they abduct person or persons, they have to put them back. So if they take Billy Bob from his farm... Take them up, experiment on them, they have to put them back, which again makes
2: really doesn't make too much sense. Like, why would you make that agreement? Well, it makes sense to me if we think back to the Richard Doty information where Richard Doty was talking about how not only are there abductions with extraterrestrials, but actually abductions from military personnel. Maybe not necessarily the, the average military personnel, but maybe that secret arm with that secret treaty with the Nazis, and we know Mangala was a crazy asshole, and he could have had disciples at this point, who were interested in, in abducting humans and seeing if there weren't some some alterations that we could possibly use to, you know, go to war with, or or, you know, if we had to have a battle with some sort of extraterrestrial. They they may very well have wanted to try to alter human DNA and this and that. I, I don't know. We're we're you know on the fringes here, but you know what's
1: interesting about this? I'm sorry, I, I'm going to cut you off before I forget because again, I'm tired. I remember seeing an X Files episode, and I love the X Files. I'm one of those guys, of course I do. I, we're we're doing a conspiracy theory podcast, right? But in this X Files episode. Uh, These two people get uh, abducted. They're driving down the road. The radio goes haywire. Uh, All of a sudden, there's an EMF. Right? car dies. Big light comes down. Everything goes crazy. You see these big-eyed beings, which look like the common grays. They abduct these two people from this car. All of a sudden, another big light comes down. And these two grays are speaking English, and they're hmm. what the hell's going on? What what the hell is that? Nobody else is supposed to be here, and they get abducted as well. Now the crazy thing is, is one of the one of the people from the vehicle that got abducted, they wake up in a cage, and one of the uh, people that were dressed up as a gray wake up in another cage, and he's sitting there smoking a cigarette, and he goes, this isn't happening, this isn't happening. And then all of a sudden, he gets taken away. Look, I'm just saying, the X-Files was on a whole new level, man. you got to go back and watch some of this stuff. It's The stuff that you and I talk about, they touch on, and sure, it it makes for a great TV show, but if you... Somebody did their homework when they did that, but it's just... When when you're talking about it, sparks something in my mind because you were referencing uh, Richard Doty from the CE five episode that we did in the podcast, and he was talking about how our military, our deep military, has this technology, and they're making political threats. They're doing whatever they want to get their way around the world, and they make the threat of abduction. Taking people away from their families, never, you know, taking family members away from them, you know, threatening their family. I mean, this is this is a mob, right? And let's let's talk about power and money. What do you have? You have a mob, and that's what it is. They also Richard Doty also mentions uh, the usage of LSD to create hallucinogens. Right? This is something that the Nazis have done and practiced time and time again. And that's one of the things that uh, Mulder, in the X Files, he starts saying, you know, they find remnants of uh, a ship that was left there or, or whatever, and he starts speaking about. It. It's like, yeah, you know, it's there's speculation that uh, upper government intel is using LSD and dressing themselves up in uh, chicken skin to make it look like real skin and terrifying people. It's it's. It's all there, man. It's all. Look, I know I sound crazy. Okay. And and that's fine. But if. Look at everything that's happened in the past 30, 40, 50 years, and don't tell me that this isn't possible. It absolutely is. Go ahead, Jeff Rod.
2: No, no. And it's fascinating that you, you thought of that because that's sort of if we look at everything that you just referenced who would end up being that secret military force that would be that alliance with look at the, the breakaway men in black Nazis. look at the men in black absolutely and we'll do an episode on the men in black i'm sure right and so if there was some sort of agreement or some sort of treaty with this this breakaway civilization who's going to give oversight to that breakaway civilization they're they're untouchable at this point they're they're not even supposed to be around. I mean, the Nazis were defeated, so they they've got no oversight. They have all kinds of money. Um, they're, for the lack of a better term, a black dark op that basically has no oversight, no overlord at all. So they can do these kind of things without any sort of you know any any sort of consequences whatsoever. Do you think extraterrestrials have sex? Oh, there's. I, mean, a I know turn. I asked
1: you this before, but I, like I just keep coming back to that because I mean, they they have to, right? They 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 repopulate, or you know, or are we think they repopulate? There's there's got to be more, right? If there are
2: extraterrestrials, they have to have. Or do you think they just lay eggs? When you talk about a different species, it could be a million different things. They could be asexual. They might not even need to have sex. I wonder what fucking an alien would be like. It would be out of this world.
1: Right on, man.
2: <laughs> okay. Uh, back to the real world, I guess. Yeah. Uh, somewhat. Um, Every time we talk a- about it, I gotta wonder. I gotta wonder. No, no, I you. Gotcha. If, if this stuff isn't crazy enough. so. But what I want to bring everybody's attention to was... After this Eisenhower meeting, there was a couple other organizations that started popping up. Like the Majestic? Not quite there, but we will be talking about them here shortly. I mean, it wasn't too long after. But no, well, I, no, right. Well, Eisenhower was the one that instituted the Majestic 12 right. program. Okay. But what I want to bring everybody's attention to was this happened in 54, and then in 58, DARPA was created now we're starting to get into rather than intelligence we're getting into technology so DARPA if you guys don't know is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency and this was instituted in February on the 7th of 1958 and what's interesting about all these was the clip that we played on the intro was JFK's speech about conspiracies and secret societies Which, if you guys listen to that opening and you can't apply that to current events, you guys are really asleep. And And I'm I'm sure sure our audience.
1: 100%. I know at least the people on Discord, on our Discord, (laughs) they're very like-minded with us when we talk about these things. So, I'm sure a lot of those uh, girls and and gals and guys or whatever you want to call yourselves these days. There's only two genders on our Discord, but... yeah just saying yeah, i i know they're going to hear
2: this and they're going to understand everything we're talking about absolutely so that's that speech happened april 27th 1961 on september 6th 1961 the national reconnaissance office the nro was created and then there shortly after on october 1st 1961 now this is just after he talked about
8: secret, secret societies, societies
2: the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, was created on October 1st, 1961. So, it's almost as if JFK becomes this figure trying to fight against... He's the enemy of the deep state. Right, and and he, he sees, as he talked about in that speech, how dangerous these secret societies are because there's no oversight. And he... Listen, guys. I think he was more well versed, and there's a lot of evidence to this in this in this genre of secret technology, um, a possible Nazi breakaway civilization. He was in the no because if I'm not mistaken, whenever he served, I think he actually fought in some areas in South America. He on the U boat. He went, yeah. He or not and, the U boat, but the in the navy. In the navy, but he
1: he went to a U boat in our in in Antarctica because uh, of his. He, he was very very well intrigued by the UFOs that were going on. You know the the sightings and things that were going on around that time. He was very intrigued by that, so he went down to there was a naval ship that he visited that after after he had seen. Uh. What do you call? What do you call? uh, There's a certain term for a UFO, uh, aquatic UFO, coming up out of water. We've UFO, uh, USO, USO. Thank you. Uh, He had seen, or you know, there was a naval ship that would see a USO coming up out of the water, time and time and time again. So JFK visited.
2: he, He visit this naval ship. Well, I'm not exactly sure. And you say this naval ship, there was a naval ship in South America that he visited, or... Antarctica. Antarctica. Okay. I, I didn't come across that information, but what I did come across was his relationship with James Forrestal. They even make reference to it in the
1: uh, the the Project Blue Book
2: TV show. Oh, okay. And it may actually be in the Project Blue Book files. I'm not sure. Okay. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I'd be interested. I don't have to look into that, and maybe some of our listeners can, too. But... It's it's the information I came across is very similar to what you came across, and uh, it came through his connection with James Forrestal. Okay. Now James Forrestal was the very first Secretary of State, and this (laughs) this office was recreated September seventeenth, nineteen forty seven. All right. Now um, in nineteen forty five, just before James Forrestal was. uh, brought up to that position because he was still a major major head figure in the Navy, Uh, he he took JFK to a trip to Germany in uh, late July, early August after the war, just a few weeks after when JFK was nothing more than just a congressman because James Forrestal saw him as a protege or somebody that he could trust and he he wanted to you know put him underneath his wing and kind of show him the ropes right and James Forrestal and JFK both went to Germany you will not believe where he went to northern germany where these secret uh, warehouses were created on the border of poland and germany near where prussia was now this connects us all the way back to Dalshow and the Prussians.
1: Um, this also reminds me of an incident that happened, you know, a little further ahead in the time. Whenever Nixon was said to have taken Jackie Gleason to a base where they had down in Dade, Florida. you know, remnants, Dade County, Florida, yeah, airport. Yeah,
2: so it almost seems somewhat similar. But go ahead, right? No, so uh, this is also the same area. Where the SS Gruppenfuhrer Jakob Sporenberger... Don't make me say it again. Please say it again. <laughs> Please say uh, that again. SS Gruppenfuhrer Jakob
1: Sporenberger. He's got it written down here. Let me let me see this. I gotta I gotta see if I can.
3: It's at the very top. I can say it. We'll see.
1: Alright. Okay, everybody. SS Groppen fucking Joker Guggenheimer.
2: <laughs> Was that close? Ah, uh, your enunciation needs a little bit of work, but yeah, that's close. Okay, so, no, and he was underneath the tribunal of Polish war criminals, right? So this is the same exact area that these guys go to, to investigate some of this exotic technology that the Germans were working on. So, so almost like you're trying to
1: reverse engineer what which you had found, almost like an Area 51.
2: Right, right. This is basically, yeah. This is basically Germany's Area Fifty One, gotcha. and Forrestow and JFK had access to this whenever they're, you know, basically observing and and uh, filing away, you know, the spoils of war. At this time, okay, this is what we found. This is what they abandoned. Um, but well, JFK
1: was very open about wanting to be open with the American public. He was right. He was wanting to disseminate information that obviously a lot of higher end people did not want him to
2: disseminate. Right. Absolutely. But again, you know, before we get to his presidential side, this was whenever he was a congressman early. Got, okay, yeah, got gotcha. Right. You know, James Forrestal, so, you know, back in 1945. But uh James Forrestal come to find out he was also part of MJ12. Who was part of the MJ12? Group? James Forrestal was. Okay. Yeah. James Forrestal was part of the MJ12 group. I thought you were implying JFK was. I'm like, uh eh. no, no, um, no. James Forrestal was. Okay. Right. He was one of the higher ups in in the military at this point. Gotcha. And, uh, but he he was again along the same lines of JFK, and, and there's a very interesting connection about how James Forrestal met his end, and we've actually got a clip for here. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and insert it right here.
1: we have a clip insert it now the clip yeah oh okay we have a clip for you we're gonna insert it here now
7: He entered politics, but he was still very close to Forrestal. Forrestal and he were still in communication. And and Forrestal, towards the end of uh, his term as Secretary of Defence, actually he was sacked because he broke ranks. He wanted to reveal what was going on because he realised that the secrecy system uh, was going to be perpetuated indefinitely. And he was strongly against that. He realized that this was something that could lead to great abuse. And so he began sharing that information with uh, any congressman that would listen. And one of the people that he shared that with was with Kennedy. And so when Kennedy became president, he wanted to get access to that information and uh, eventually assert uh, presidential control. And that's what led to the, the big confrontation with the Majestic 12 group. Now, James Forrestal, he was a minority. He basically wanted to reveal what was going on. Uh, Other members in the Majestic 12 group basically saw Forrestal as a loose cannon, and so Truman, on the... Advice of the Majestic 12 Committee sacked Forrestal as the Secretary of Defence and basically rather than allow Forrestal to go public with what he knew they had Forrestal committed to the Bethesda Naval Medical uh, Facility and, and they had him confined in on the 16th floor. And what happened during his confinement was that Forrestal wasn't allowed to be visited by his um, uh, advisors such as a, a Catholic priest that uh, Forrestal was uh, close to and he, he confided with. He wasn't allowed to be visited by family. His brother, Henry Forrestal, wasn't allowed to, to see Forrestal at all. And what we know is that uh, during his uh, confinement at Bethesda Naval facility, he was visited by a number of uh, Majestic 12 members. Sydney Sewers was one of them. And one that people probably aren't familiar with is Lyndon Burns Johnson. That he actually visited Forrestal because Johnson at that time, in 1949, was working for the Majestic 12 committee. He was basically there to to give Forrestal the bad news. And then shortly after that, on the very day that Forrestal's brother was sup- was supposed to come in and collect James Forrestal, in May of uh, 1949, Forrestal supposedly commits suicide and, and kind of falls from the 16th floor of the Bethesda Naval uh, facility and, and, and is dead. But there there have been a number of people who were there at the event and, and saw what Forrestal's body and were familiar with the circumstances leading up to Forrestal's uh, death. And then they said it wasn't by any means a suicide. It was a hit job. The Majestic 12 group were behind it.
1: Okay, so, so, so Lyndon Johnson, Lyndon Johnson, Lyndon Johnson, is he now? Is he part of the Majestic Twelve, or is he working with the Majestic Twelve? He worked He's, with
2: the committee of the Majestic Twelve, yeah. And I look, he was one of the very last people ever to see Forrestal because no one else was able to get in to see him. They were they had sequestered him in this room at the Bethesda Medical Hospital. Only Majestic 12 personnel ever got to talk to him, along with one of the last people who got to talk to him, was Johnson.
1: What the hell is going on? Oh.
2: I mean, there's a reason why why I'm presenting the information in this order. I mean, it all starts to come together. So, I, I, I don't think... Look, if you think
1: Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone in the assassination of JFK, he was a patsy. He was coerced. He was a radical that was fed and you know, indoctrinated information to keep him thinking a certain way. They knew what they were doing the whole time. They knew what they were doing. Was was Oswald a stand-up, you know, Victim? No, he wasn't. But he was used. He was definitely used.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and there's no question about it. Um, so, I mean, going forward after that bombshell, right? Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So, moving forward, moving forward, we're gonna we're gonna fast forward to his presidency. Okay, JFK. Obviously, at this point, with his connections with Forestall, with his connections. As a Navy man seeing USOs, as a man who visited exotic technologies in Germany, he obviously knew about this stuff going on. Okay. Now, part of this breakaway civilization is the fact that we're, we're starting to get into the idea of uh, SSP, secret space programs. Okay. Okay. And. JFK knew about these secret space programs. Mm-hmm. And again, these secret space programs, the, how I interpret them are these programs with this breakaway Nazi organization because they have the Hanabu. They have this technology that we talked about in the first two episodes. Obviously, it was displayed during Operation High Jump. Um, again, with my hypothesis that there was some several actual extraterrestrial events happening in the 40s and 50s there being some sort of political alliance with U.S. government elites and these Fourth Reich elites. Um, it may possibly even extraterrestrials
8: as
1: well.
2: And possibly extraterrestrials, right. Um, so, what we're seeing here is the fact that JFK knew about the space program and wanted to know exactly what was going on. And he was constantly blocked at every setting. Matter of fact, there so was... So we're talking about the same JFK
1: who was making a move or a race to the moon in his many a different speeches was consistently blocked from secret
2: space programs as well. Well, a lot of people believe, and it's interesting that you made that connection, a lot of people believe the public space program that Kennedy... Started was as a uh, parallel program because he was being blocked by the, the secret space program. He was like, okay, you got all this nefarious, you know, dark money. Right. You're not letting me see this. I know we have the technology, so I'm going to go ahead and start my own space program. But the public idea was it was a race to the moon before the Russians get there, right? before the Russians get there, but it possibly wasn't even that because I actually have some information that's going to blow your mind here in a few minutes that... <sighs> Let's just hold off a second on that. Okay. You'll, you'll see where okay. I'm going with this. So JFK is doing everything he can to try to basically battle this the secret program, this secret space program. Which is like another secret society that he speaks out on. Right, right. And again, and that's... I believe one of the reasons why he spoke on Secret Society the way he did is because he knew of this alliance, of this dark alliance. And in his way, he was trying to get the information out there. And he's behind closed doors battling this. And then let's be frank here. This is also the same type of information and same type of scenario that Walter Bosley talked about whenever he talked about leaders who get in the way are publicly executed, right? So we're talking about him in, in this entrenched battle. There's something that, have you ever heard of the bird memo? Bird memo, I heard of a tweet. I heard of a tweet. No, there was this memo that was a secret, uh, top secret memos that came out that somebody tried to burn before they came out. You just get Elon in there to fire everybody, it works. Yeah, right. And uh, in one of these memos, there was a a line that said uh, something to the effect of this. This is actually what it said. It said, Of course, Lancer has been inquiring about our activities, which is something that we cannot allow. Because at this, and that, you know, end quote. And this is basically this secret, you know, uh, deep state talking about, hey, He's trying to find out about the, He's getting a little the alien too program. Close. He's trying to find out right. about this other stuff, and we've got to block him at every at every course, you know, at every stop. And now shit's starting to get deep, right? Now I know in previous episodes you actually had brought this up, and I, if I'm not mistaken, you actually have on the website this burn memo is also part of that dump in 1992 that was a. Uh, leaked to tim cooper and in this in this group of memos this was where the Marilyn monroe memo came from yes the one they took down yes i had the cia burn memo The
1: the, the copy of it was on our website and they took it down right whatever whatever the link is i i don't i have to see if i have it downloaded um which shit I may not be wanting to say that. <laughs> but uh yeah they 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 took it down. I tried putting it back up. So which removed
2: it. It dude that thing is gone. It's not even online anymore. I can't find it. Um well to help you find it is Tim Cooper's 1992
1: uh leak. Go ahead I, and and continue on. I'm I'm going to do a quick search. Okay. She said
2: Tim Cooper was the reporter that got the leak. Okay. And uh, it was a 1992 Marilyn Monroe memo. And in this memo, it talked about how – actually, let's see here. No, I I don't have it. I thought I had it. But basically, she talked to – who was it she talked to? It says that when she was interviewed by the CIA, she was talking to a woman by the name of Dorothy Kilgayan at these parties in Hollywood – that she knew about what jfk had talked talked to her about on pello talk both jfk and rfk and about how he had seen aliens right and knew about them and had seen them right. in remote uh facilities abroad so this this goes to prove if if this document at all is real right cuz i actually
1: mentioned this in our in our JFK episode, that uh, well, I, I believe it was Lee and I did at that time, you were you were on the road or something. It was, uh, you know, abducted Lee, um, which we're hoping to hear back from him soon. Uh, it's been a while, yeah. Uh, Lee's life matters. Let's bring him back down to earth. Yeah. But anyway, I remember talking uh, and having this discussion with him, and and of course he was, you know, oh, I can't believe it, Mario. I can't believe it. Say it ain't so. Whatever. And then somebody from our Discord, I believe, it was our Discord at that time. Might have been just through email, but somebody reached out to me and asked me about it. It might have been through Facebook because we still had a Facebook at that time. Yeah, it was crazy. But somebody reached out to me and asked me about it, and uh, I said, "Well, you know, that's that's kind of how the story goes. That's you know, she was told information. Um, John shared information with her about extraterrestrials." And Bobby was supposed to pick up where John left off, and the same thing happened. I mean, where where does a coincidence lie,
2: really, right? Right. And all this information, whenever I was coming across it, it just all lined up. I'm thinking, this is absolutely nuts. Way too coincidental for it. I mean, can you even call it a conspiracy theory anymore? Come on. I don't know. Maybe after this next uh, bit of info you might not think that. I don't think it now, but go on. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Cut you off guard there a little bit. Ah. Yes, excuse me. I'm sorry. Um so here here we currently let's just take a quick second. We we got all this information, right, with JFK.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the, and I want to I want to make the fact that and I want to make clear the fact that the reason why we're focusing on JFK at this point, right, is because he was the last line of defense. I've always said he was the last true Democrat. Right. He, yeah, exactly. He he is the one person in power at this point. Because we, we focus on World War II quite a lot, quite a bit. We focus on the Nazis, right? Right. Because they're, they're, their story is important. Implemental. Right. And moving forward... If there is this negative force, obviously there's going to be a positive white force trying to combat it, right? And at this point, this was almost like the last hurdle that the deep state needed to overcome to basically move on without any sort of restrictions whatsoever. And and Kennedy stuck his neck out of the line, and he seems to be the one in history— that was trying to stop this, and he was one of the few people at the time being the president that had any sort of clout to to if there was anybody who could do it, it was gonna be him so that's why i'm I'm focusing so much on the on the Kennedy information because he not only is he important but he's connected through so many different things in this story about the secret space program i mean he he basically started our space program, yeah right. So, whenever I was looking into the space program, after his assassination, which happened November 22nd, 1963, there was a very strange document that came out early. Uh, and, and the early researchers were looking into sort of trying to gather all kinds of information, whatever they can get their hands on. Uh, and this this document is called the Torbit document. And we have a little bit of a quip, uh, clip here that's going to explain the Torbit document a little bit better than maybe I can. Torbit document. The Torbit document. We have a clip. Yep. Can to play it here? Yes, sir. All right.
1: We have a clip called the Torbit document. We're going to play right here.
8: Another connection between the JFK assassination and the space program. In the late 1960s, an odd document began to circulate among the people investigating the murder of the president. It was called the Torbit document. In the nineteen sixties, there was a, a uh a mimeographed document that was circulated called the Torbit document. And it was allegedly written by a Texas lawyer in the late 60s who used the pseudonym of Torbit. What the Torbit document went on about at length was the Kennedy assassination and its connections to NASA and Werner von Braun. The Torbit document maintained that Werner von Braun commanded a special team called DISC, the Defense Industrial Security Command. And DISC was run out of Redstone Arsenal in Alabama. And what a lot of people don't realize is that the early space program was really all in Alabama. It wasn't in Houston. That was until later that they moved things to, to Houston. And the Torbit document maintained that because of the elements of the space program and with Wernher von Braun, that DISC was somehow involved in the Kennedy assassination and to coordinate people from NASA and other parts of the military and CIA and then with Lyndon Johnson having control of the uh, Dallas police force and things like that. So the Torben document really is an oddball document about the Kennedy assassination because it gives a a slightly different slant on it which brings in the military and NASA, missions to the moon. I got a book uh, from NASA uh, that was about Werner von Braun. And it was all these photos of him and his life in NASA. And Johnson and Kennedy had gone to Redstone Arsenal and met with Werner von Braun in the early 60s when Kennedy had announced we were going to space. And according to this book, they had some huge argument together. And von Braun and Kennedy and Johnson all had this big, big argument about how we were going to go to the moon, what the mission would be all about, what the American people would get to see, all that kind of stuff. And apparently, it was Kennedy arguing for different technology, a more overt space program, one that would apparently be quite different than what we were actually told. And... Von Braun and, and Johnson were completely against it, and, and at that point, in a sense, Kennedy's fate was perhaps sealed.
1: He's gone rogue. Kill him.
2: He's right. I mean, that's that's pretty much what's happened here, right? Yep. Yeah. Again, uh, Lyndon, B- Lyndon B. Johnson, right in the thick of things. What a vice president, uh, and a vice president at
1: that. Right. Right. So imagine imagine the the mentality the feel of threat surrounding this man the whole time i mean yeah, you got your vice president who's supposed to be on your side just completely disagreeing with you up and down i mean you could talk about bay of pigs and everything else along with this they've got every reason in their minds to Eliminate the non-conforming person for your secret society for w- for what your organization is trying to do. Right? You have somebody objective. Cut the cancer out.
2: Right. Yeah. And in, in their mind, in the, in this deep state mentality of this alliance, this dark alliance with this breakaway civilization, basically. Kennedy had become a thorn in their side. And the thing that I think is so fascinating about this Torben information is on its own, on its face, it doesn't really mean a lot. But if you look at all the information coming from a different different angle that we've just presented here, both in this podcast and the last couple podcasts, it, it seems to line up a lot. Because, I mean, think about the connections here. We're talking about Von Braun again, right? Von Braun goes all the way back to the Vril Society prior to Nazi Germany. Right. Right? I mean, he he's helped create the RFZ-2, the first flying machine that Germany used the technology from the anti-gravity machine uh, that was funded by NIMZA, going all the way back to Dachau, right? And the Sea of Sonora Aero Club. He was also part of... Shoot, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was... He was also part of the... Society for Space Travel uh, in in Germany before he became part of the Nazi Party. So,
7: So in this
1: small (laughs) this small span of time, all right, in this this small span of time, we'll say, not even ten years. So many things are happening. So many things are changing. How could anybody focus, how could any anybody in the public even possibly focus on one thing to try to grasp an understanding of what is going on around them?
2: It's impossible, Jeff Rowe. You couldn't do it. No way. No way. This information, I mean, it's taken almost 100 years, right? Uh, 70, 80 years. And this stuff has just slowly been trickling out. Uh, again, I just want to hammer home the Von Braun information. He was also part of Paperclip, right? Yeah. He was he was part of the secret Nazi organization. I mean, he was a huge Nazi. Um, let's let's think about some of the conspiracy theories about the JFK assassination. People also talk about the mob, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk let's talk about the mob just for a quick second. Where's the mob from? Originally, not New York, but Italy. Yeah. Well, the Italian mob. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The Italian mob. Right. Yeah. Well, Italy was. Aligned with who during World War Two?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely.
2: They were aligned with Germany, right? So you had German loyalists. You had, you know, very, very plausibly, you had nationalists, right? Um, also, you had Rome, the Catholic Church, help get the Nazis out of Europe. They, they were one of the major people that were able to change identities and give new identities to a lot of these elites who fled. Europe and got down to South America from the from the Nazi party. Not to mention your government has consistently
1: put the blockade on anybody knowing any of the the findings from the JFK assassination time and time again every presidency including the Trump pres- presidency, the Biden presidency, the Obama presidency. They've put a stop to it. Like if you were to look at any of this stuff it, a document does no good if everything's redacted exactly then, then you've
2: just got a document full of black bars right and and just quickly on the mob theory here maybe they were the maybe they were the trigger men right because let's not forget uh, during prohibition Kennedy's father double backed and uh, stabbed in the back of the, the, the mob whenever he was bringing over booze from from Ireland right so the mob had their own reasons to go ahead and try to do something with um kennedy because his brother i you know robert he was actually going after you know the mob for uh, uh, what's the term um racketeering okay yeah, right yeah so i mean the kennedy brothers basically you know really at this point the kennedys were good at making enemies yeah i mean so you you have this this connection with Sicilian and Italian mob members, you know, who they had sympathizers, had to have Nazi sympathizers in, in Italy. If if they had yes men in New York, there's there you know, there's a possible connection there. You know, that way the secret space program or the secret society or this breakaway society doesn't have to get their hands dirty. Right? So, I mean, I, I don't know if that that played a part, but that's public knowledge, you know, to this point. You know the way uh, Kennedy's father was with the mafia in the early uh, 20th century during the Prohibition. So there, there's that part wrapped up into this. You know, no one ever even considers the idea that the mob could have had Nazi sympathizers, even though they were allies to the, the Germans World War Two. You know, with Italy. So I, I don't think that's brought up enough. But again, with von Braun. You have him connecting all the way back to the Vril Society. You have the Vril Society connected to Nimza. You have this anti-technology again. Braun is doing all this. Has access to all this technology, right, going from right. you know the Vril Society up through to the V two, right? The V two rocket that he brought over from Germany to America. He obviously had knowledge if there was a breakaway civilization that had this high tech information down in South America and Antarctica. He's a bit of an orchestrator. Right. He he right, exactly. That's a perfect word for him. Um and it's just it's unbelievable. And if you're looking for one more connection, there was one more just quick strange connection that I want to bring to everybody's attention that Walter Bosley actually brought to my attention and we have a one more uh three minute short clip here. I want to go ahead and play for everybody.
5: All right, we'll play the clip. Hey, yes, uh, a gentleman by the name of Fred Washington owned a junk and antique uh, shop, and um, Pete Navarro, you know, would go go there and just peruse, like you know, many people do. Um, and he's the one that found the Delshau books, and he bought as many as he could afford. Um, a local museum, this was in Texas, a local museum bought some and uh, subsequently uh, put them on display uh, in in an exhibit about flight, early flight. And um, we owe it really to Pete Navarro that it, we ever heard about Charles Delshow because these things, when Delshow died, they were in the, uh, the attic of the house he was living in. And then at some point, decades later, when that house was being sold, they ended up in the trash. And that's how Fred Washington got them because <laughs> they would have been destroyed. We would have lost them. So Washington got them. He had them at his shop. Pete Navarro was really fascinated with them. And uh, thanks to him. Um, and interestingly, the Demonil Foundation. Now, the Demonil family... They have French roots, um, but you find them in the midst of the um, the Jim Garrison investigation of the JFK assassination, which is interesting. I haven't fleshed out, you know, the 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 family whose organization has several of these Delshel books being interested in the Delshau stuff in the Sonora Aero Club and also named and involved in this milieu of, you know, the most, the, the biggest political conspiracy, you know, of the 20th century. I, I find that interesting. What, what the explanation is, I don't know yet, but it's the same Demon Hills. And But really, yes, thanks to Pete Navarro and, and uh, a handful of other author researchers, between him and myself, who really, uh, Dennis Crenshaw is, is one of them, Tim Schwartz, um, Theo Pyman, uh, you know, these, these are the guys that really were among the, the first to write about uh, what Pete Navarro found and to write about Delshow. And uh, it, uh, it, in my mind, what I contributed to it was the apparent Um, thread of connection that would have led from NIMSA of the mid-19th century to Nazi Germany, specifically via the bell.
2: So, guys, what we have here is a strange connection during the Jim Garrison uh, investigation into JFK's assassination after he was killed. Uh, Jim Garrison being the DA there in New Orleans, and this uh, French family ironically finds themselves caught up in this investigation. Uh, I don't know much about the Jim Garrison information or the Jim Garrison investigation. I know the JFK movie was based a lot on it, Oliver Stone's movie. But this L family does find their way involved in this investigation and this is the same family that also is extremely interested in these Dalshau Sonora Era Club paintings. Almost whenever I first heard this, it clicked in my mind that I'm thinking, okay, I think maybe if if all these connections are kind of lining up the way they are, maybe they're interested in these paintings and and these drawings to try to sequester them, to try to repress them, to try to get as many as they of them as they can because right, because they realize that if anybody sort of Puts the puzzle pieces together. There's a, there's a loose connection between the Dal information going all the way back to this ancient, not, I don't want to say ancient technology, but this 19th century technology going forward into what the Nazis were doing and then going forward into all the stuff that we're talking about. Because remember that anti gravity uh, technology was being funded by the group Nimza, mm-hmm. and then Nimza kind of turns into the German banking system right? the German banking system funds a lot of the, the private equity or the private uh, firms like the Real Society who created the RFZ1 the RFZ2 who was connected to von Braun then so on and so forth so I don't know I, I just I thought it was extremely interesting that there was another loose connection going all the way back to episode 1 of this series, and it's—I don't know—it's it, seemingly too too many pieces that line up that they're even if it's not you know direct bullet point bullet point you know one for one. All this information to me, it's it's fascinating, and when it, at least when we look into the JFK stuff, is a slant on the conspiracies that i've never even been pervy to or or even heard before well i've
1: heard of the uh the extraterrestrial knowledge through the jfk conspiracies and monroe and even robert kennedy i i have heard of that uh and and like i said i I spoke on it in in our jfk episode with lee Uh, i didn't get too deep into the jfk it seems like we're getting deeper and with the jfk stuff now but uh you know, there was a bit of a scratch of the surface with him on that episode, but I have heard of that.
2: It it seems very very plausible, and this this also goes back. I'm I'm gonna do a callback here a little bit, a little bit earlier in this episode. You were talking about how maybe uh, JFK and the Russian connection, right? Uh You were. The poor Russians. It seems like we use them as patsies continuously <laughs> all the time, right? I mean, even uh, Oswald was from you know, spending time in Russia and came back crazy, right? right? Uh, but when we were talking, I, I said I, I had a little bit of a uh, message or, or found a, found a memo that was done by the CIA. Now, and when
1: I just to be clear, when I say poor Russians, I don't I don't mean like the KGB and what I mean, like the poor Russian people, the people, right?
2: The people, it's always the people that have to suffer for what the leaders in any country, especially us. Uh, We got to suffer for whatever Biden
1: is doing. I got two words for you made in America.
2: (laughs) Fucking idiot. Go ahead. You were saying no. So um, I, I think this here was the last bit or the last straw when it came to Kennedy and him sealing his fate because, uh, earlier we were talking about how they're, they Kennedy was doing everything he could to combat against this dark veil, this, this secret alliance, right? With the secret space program. And I like interesting. You say Darkville. Go on. Yeah. So yeah, right. So, At this point, he he was assassinated November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. On November twelfth, he sent out a memo, and uh, this memo is hard to read because it's the old text from the memo. So some of it's blurry, but I'm going to do the best I can. Uh, This memo was printed on November twelfth, nineteen sixty three, and it says. Uh, uh, memorandum for the director, and then something's blacked out. Central Intelli- Intelligence Agency. Subject Classification Review of All UFO Intelligence Film Affecting National Security. Okay, and this was a memo authored by Kennedy. Right. He said, uh, as I had, uh, Discovered with you, or as I discussed with you previously, I have initiated and have introduced James Webb to develop a pro, pro- uh, develop in progress with the Soviet Union in joint approval and lun- uh, oh sorry, joint space and lunar exploration. It would be very helpful if you would have the high-threat case evaluation revised with the purpose of identification of a bona fide uh, of bona fide and oppressed op, oppressed to classified CIA and USA Air Force sources. It is important that we make a clear distinction between the knowns and unknowns in the event the Soviets try to mistaken our extended cooperation as a Cover for intelligence gathering of their defenses and space program. When this date has been sorted out, I would like you to arrange a progress of dates sharing with the uh, U.S. Air Force where unknowns are a factor. This will help in with NASA and then it gets really blurry. Uh, and then the final sentence is I would like a an infant an initial report on the data reviewed no later than February 1st, 1964, which he never made it to February 1st, 1964. Right. But basically, this memo is saying that he is asking... He, he's he's willing to work... During a Cold War, he's willing to work with
1: Russia right? in complete coherence and understanding of, hey, this is us recognize our aircraft, you recognize yours, and let's both recognize the
2: unknown. Right. Well, and he's saying, hey, let's go ahead and redact any sensitive information that we don't want them to know, but at the same time also be completely forthcoming with all the information that you have because we want to work in in collaboration with the Soviets it's almost a desperation move because he knows he's not getting anywhere with this secret space program. He knows the people that are in charge of that program, whether it be, you know, well, I I'm hypothesizing this this breakaway civilization, this breakaway Nazi group that's you know basically entangled themselves with, you know, the elites of the of our world. government at the time. of the world of the world, right? Exactly. Um he's like, "Man, I I'm, I'm desperate." You know these these effing guys are right. They they're they're doing all kinds of shit. They got all kinds of technology that I've seen. Um, I, I've been exposed to, you know, evans extraterrestrial biological entities. I know what's going on. They're repressing all this information when this should be technology that the public has, whether it's for energy, whatever. And we should be able to get to the moon tomorrow. And these these guys just won't let this go. They're blocking me at every every. Turn, I've got to reach out to my enemy, right? Because there's, there's, they have technology.
1: It almost seems like he's at this point he's realizing that the Russians really aren't the
2: enemy, right? And what's interesting about this memo again, November twelfth, and then he's assassinated November twenty second, ten days later. It's almost like the second he wrote this, this was the last drama and, you know, Von Braun, Johnson, these people that are connected with Paperclip or these people that are connected with this group, they're like, this guy has got to go. Right. So, they dig into all the stuff, which, w- let's be honest, this, going back to the Torben information, Johnson and, and Von Braun, if, if you want to look at that information, have been on the same page for years, right? Because this this supposed interaction happened in the early 60s and they they were arguing with Kennedy then. And Kennedy knew he was just butting his head up against a brick wall. And he just he needed he he reached out for help and it never got never got passed. You know, his efforts never made it that far. And it was again the public and dramatic execution of a leader which was comes directly from the playbook of the Yonkers and the Prussians which going all the way back to Deschamps Deschamps was a Prussian and Prussia is where modern day northern Germany is all this information it just all rolls into a nice neat ball and it's um I don't know whenever I I expose myself to this information I was flabbergasted What say you Mario I mean flabbergasted
1: is is a good word to use I think uh I think without a doubt how how can you look at information and be so dismissive by calling it you know a conspiracy theory or whatever when there's factual evidence and information backing all of these I don't even I, I can't even say theories at this point it's fact it's not theories it's it's fact so all you have to do is connect the dots and that's what you and I do here and that's what we do best we connect the dots and that's what we that's what you're doing with the breakaway civilizations and what we have here with the Nazis and uh the world elites, we'll say world elites. Yeah, absolutely. The space program.
2: Secret space program.
1: Secret space program, because if you think
2: NASA was our real space program, no, you're sadly mistaken. There's a reason why they let it go to shit. Absolutely, and that's that's another point that should be brought up, because uh, one would think, why would the greatest nation in the world, why was it in the early 2000s, just be like, oh yeah, we don't need the space program. Yeah. Why, 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 why
1: do the elites why, hate Elon Musk right now?
2: Well, yeah, because he's creating his own space program. He's
1: One that has has come leaps and bounds in the short amount of time that NASA has in the years and years and years that it's
2: been a thing, right? Right, absolutely. So with this JFK information, we're going to close out here shortly, but I wanted to go ahead and bring it to modern times. Okay, because... I know there's going to be people out there say, "Hey, Jeffro, that's all this information is just—it's enough to consume. It's—it's it's absolutely mind-boggling." Space Force. Space Force, right? And that's where we're going with this. So the question is: Okay, you got all this great information. You 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 filled in some of the blanks to the JFK thing. Where's any evidence that any of this stuff is still going on? Or if they had all this great technology in the '50s and '60s. How did that evolve? Where, where is it at today? Do we have any information that this technology has evolved, and where could we find that? Well, interestingly, here recently, early two thousand. I'm not exactly sure when he did this, but have you ever heard of the guy named Gary McKinnon? Rings a undertone bell, Gary right. McKinnon. Gary McKinnon was a uh, British citizen who basically was a hacker and he was able to hack into government documents. They don't like that. No, in facilities. And I was able to find an interview, which he doesn't do a whole lot of these interviews. And his interview is about 11 minutes long, but he says some pretty interesting things. So where, where is this guy now? Just you know. Well, I believe he had just settled a, a four-year-long court case because they were trying to get him extradited to the United States to face charges. Right. And I believe the, the United Kingdom government to their, you know, I don't know if it was the government, but the lawyers, his his personal lawyers, did everything they could to prevent extradition. Right. And they eventually, uh, as they say in this clip here, I believe they eventually gave up because, because they were risking, they were risking um, in court proof of evidence or, or I'm, I'm not actually sure the the. The legal term, but basically, whenever you have evidence, you have to turn it over to the prosecution and well, we attorneys. All, we right? all know that
1: the British government works with
2: the. US oh yeah, absolutely. But I think in, in in a public court filing, I mean, he he may have been safer in Russia, like Snowden. <laughs> right? Maybe, Um but I, I think. Uh, Proof of discovery, I think. I think is a term. They were afraid of having to hand over some of the evidence that would actually be the best evidence to charge him. So to be able to 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 prevent more evidence coming out to prosecute him, like okay, we don't want to let out all this information. It was too much, you know, too sensitive. Uh, So we're just not gonna we're gonna drop the charges. But yeah, this interview with Gary McKinnon was very interesting
9: and and you guys are going to like this here's your list of charges you hacked into the army the navy the air force the department of defense and nasa amongst other things
6: why i was in search of suppressed technology um you know laughingly referred to as ufo technology i think it's the biggest kept secret in the world because of its comic value um, but it's a very important thing we've got old age pensioners can't pay their fuel bills Um we've got countries being invaded um, to get award oil contracts to the west And uh, meanwhile, secretive parts of the secret government are sitting on uh, suppressed technology for free energy. So how did you go about trying to find the stuff that you were looking for in NASA,
9: in the Department of Defense?
6: Well, I assumed that although it's part of a secret government project, there must be military ties. Um, I'd read 400 400 expert witness testimonies, um, ranging from civilian air traffic controllers through military radar operators. All the way up to guys that were in charge of whether or not to launch nuclear missiles. So it's a very credible people. Uh, all of these people had said uh, that there is there are UFOs. They are alien. Um, we're using anti-gravity and reverse-engineered technology that came from captured UFO crime. We're
9: using anti-gravity.
6: Yeah. Right now, Who, who's using anti-gravity? Um, secret compartmented of parts of the government and uh, I think we're being trickle-fed um, by the various defence contractors so that I think, I predict within the next seven years, we will have anti-gravity as a public, uh, publicly usable phenomena. OK, so how did you go about hacking into the computers to find what you were looking for? Well, unlike the press would have you believe, it wasn't very clever. Um, I searched for blank passwords. Um, I wrote a tiny Perl script, the Perl language, that tied together other people's programmes that search for blank passwords, so you can scan 65,000 machines in just over 8 minutes. So you went and
9: actually accessed 65,000
6: machines sitting on I guess 65,000 desks in different buildings? um, No, because all 65,000 aren't necessarily live yet. You might find typically 5,000 might be live, and out of that 500 might be Windows machines, then 50 might have blank administrator passwords, which is a pretty bad ratio for the world's largest military.
9: So you're saying that you found computers which had a high ranking status, administrator status,
6: which hadn't had their passwords set, they were still set to default. Yeah, precisely. And in some cases, it was thousands of machines because they had an image, rather than install windows off a CD in every machine. you blat it onto an image, stick the image in all the machines, and every single machine has a blank local administrator password, so.
9: And you actually eventually took control of one particular machine
6: on a desk somewhere in NASA, is that right? Um, Well, I mean, I had control of every machine that had a blank administrator password because the door was open. so... And what did you use that to do? Um, I was searching for files and evidence in relation to the UFO question. Okay. Were you the only hacker
9: to make it in, you know, past the... the slightly lower than expected lines of defence?
6: Yeah, exactly. There were no lines of defence. Um, there was a permanent tenancy of foreign hackers. Uh, you could run a command when you're on the machine that showed connections from all over the world, uh, check the IP address to see if it was another military base or whatever, and it wasn't. Um, the General Accounting Office in America has again published another damning report saying that federal security is very, very poor. So, let's get this straight. While you were on a machine inside
9: one of these mm. computers in the Department of Defense, say, there were other hackers logged onto that machine as oh, well yeah. from around
6: the world. Yeah, you run your NetStack command. Then you see the list, you know, Turkey, Germany, Holland, you know, everywhere. Are they all being prosecuted? Uh, No, because they weren't caught, I'm assuming. I mean, they could have turned out later on to be someone else that's been caught, but not as far as I know. I think that probably, because the security was so poor, it's probably foreign governments.
9: How many times did you go back into this computer within NASA and the Department of Defense? Was it a one-time only?
6: No, I mean most computers because I maintained a quiet presence and you know wasn't running around causing you know abundant damage as is claimed. Um, I was back on most computers <coughs> uh, for as often as it for as long as it took for me to find out if there was any information on there which would be useful to. to so my how research. many times
9: do you think you went? Over what kind of period were you hacking into these computers? Was it a one-time only? Was it oh, no, for the it course of a week? A couple of years. And you went unnoticed. For a couple of years. Oh yeah, yeah. What if, if I was uh, say a NASA employee and I was walking past the computer that you were connected to, what would I have seen
6: on the screen? Would there be any clues to mm. anyone that was there Absolutely. that you were there? Yeah, I was using something a bit like PC Anywhere called Remotely Anywhere so I could actually see the desktop of the machine I had control of and if you were walking past there you would see the mouse move uh, and me you know, doing whatever I was doing on that desktop. Why weren't you spotted them? Um, I was eventually, and it was at NASA that I was spotted. I even saw the chaps or, or woman's mouse cursor come down, right-click the local area network icon and choose disconnect, and that was me. So someone basically took the mouse off you, if you like, and didn't anyway, yeah. connection. Yeah. yeah.
9: Why did it take two years before they caught you? Um, Do you think there was I no one there at the computer,
6: or did they...? I mean, they yeah, because I used to be careful about the hours. So um, you would log on in the middle of the night, so? Yeah, yeah, to always be juggling, like, different time zones and stuff. Um, and, yeah, you'd be so doing it at night time, so hopefully there's not many people around. But there was one occasion where a network engineer saw me and actually questioned me. And we actually talked to each other via WordPad. Which was quite strange. That was very, very so what, strange. So what did he say? <laughs> what did you say? Well, he said, what are you doing? Which is a bit, you know, shocking. Um and I told him I was from military computer security, which he he fully believed. And uh, we we had a little chat and he tried to impress me with his virus knowledge and going into a DOS box, a console, and stuff. And That was quite strange, talking to someone who's in charge of the place where you shouldn't be and then not realising that you you shouldn't have been there. And I guess that scared you enough to stop you doing it? No. Why? Um, Because I I felt like um, this free energy technology that I was after should be publicly available. Uh, I wasn't doing any damage, I was snooping around. Uh, I wasn't making their security poorer because the administrator password was already blank so the door was already open. Um, the yeah. only thing I was doing was installing my remote control program which is commercially off the shelf available software so you know, it shouldn't be a problem either.
9: Did you find what you were looking for? Yeah. Tell us about it.
6: Um, there was there's a group called the Disclosure Project. Uh, they published a book which had um, 400 expert witnesses ranging from civilian air traffic controllers through military radar operators, right up to the chaps that are responsible as to whether or not to launch nuclear missiles, so some very credible, very relied upon people, um, all saying that yes, there's UFO technology, uh, there's anti-gravity, there's free energy, and it is extraterrestrial in origin, and we've captured spacecraft and reverse engineered it. And these are, you know, very solid, reliable chaps in charge of launching nuclear missiles. So, What did you find inside NASA? Uh, one of these people was uh, a NASA photographic expert and she said that in Building 8 of Johnson Space Centre they regularly airbrushed out images of UFOs from the high-res satellite imagery. And using the same blank password hunting technique I got down to Building 8, got a few blank passwording machines there and what she said was there, was there, there was uh, folders called filtered and unfiltered or processed and raw, something like that. Um, I got one picture out of the folder, bearing in mind this is a 56k dial-up so image. a very slow internet connection. Oh, crikey, yeah, I mean, <coughs> you know, dial-up days. <coughs> um, a 235 megabyte picture, and if you're talking five minutes a megabyte, obviously un- impossible to download. Uh, also in a, a NASA proprietary image format, not a GIF or a JPEG or anything. So using the remote control program, I turned the color down to 4-bit color, and the screen resolution really, really low. And even then, this picture was still, you know, judging and coming onto the screen. But what came onto the screen was amazing. It was a culmination of all my efforts. It was a picture of something that definitely wasn't man-made. Um, it was above the Earth's hemisphere. It was kind of looked like a satellite, but it was cigar-shaped. It had um, geodesic domes above, below, to the left, to the right, and both ends of. Uh, and although it was a low-resolution picture, it was very close up. Um, this thing was hanging in space. The Earth's hemisphere was visible below it and um, no rivets, no seams, none of the stuff associated with normal man-made manufacturing. Is it possible this is an artist's impression? Um, I don't know. No, for me it was too coinc- it was more, more than coincidence. I mean, uh, this woman had said, this is what happens in this building, in this space centre. I went into that building, that space centre, and saw exactly that. And the folders were even called unprocessed and processed or raw and filtered or something. So, Do you have a copy of this? It came down to your machine, uh, no, it came. The graphical remote viewer works frame by frame it 's a, a java application um, so it 's not nothing saved on your hard drive or at least if it is only you know one frame at a time might be
9: so did you get the one frame? nope what happened?
6: Uh, well, once I was cut off and uh, my picture disappeared I was just you were actually cut off, off. at oh, the yeah. time you were downloading the picture yeah, I saw the guy 's hand move across hmm. And bear in mind, you're not downloading it, you're viewing it remotely. So in a way, it is downloading because the picture's coming from there to yours, but you're not downloading it as a named file to your hard drive. You're viewing it through an application. I
9: mean, if I was to go and look for pictures that you've described, I'd make mm-hmm. sure that I could record everything that happened on my
6: machine. It, yeah. Was there a way to do that? I think there probably was a, a screenshot function in Remotely Anywhere. Uh, which I didn't use, and I'm sitting there bedazzled, you know, thinking, crikey, this really is looking weirder and weirder than the more that comes of it. And also I thought that I was safe there. I didn't think I'd be caught, you know, three quarters of the way through of looking at the first picture I'd looked at. And also I was amazed that it was how she said it would be. So
9: So you were cut off while you were looking at this picture. Mm. A few
6: months later you were caught. What happened on that day? Um, National High Tech Crime Unit knocks on your door early in the morning. Um, I'd been asleep for about an hour, I think, so I was very groggy. You and weren't all night hacking, I, I was, yes. Um, but fortunately for me, they'd been monitoring me for three months beforehand and saw that I wasn't doing damage, that I was snooping around, uh, so it was good in a way. Um, yeah, that was March 2002 and uh, they said, oh, you might get six months or so community service. Next thing I know, in November 2002, six months has turned into 60 years in an American jail. Why do they think that sentence is suitable for you? They've written some new cybercrime laws, and if, when I was following my case, and following the changes in legislation, and even the minute changes made to the legislation, I'm sure my case heavily affected the new cybercrime laws in America. Um, I think they're peeing their pants. They're incredibly scared that their computer systems are so easy to get into. And so rather than stop the bad practice and increase the security or m- employ proper IT people instead of training up military personnel, um, they're trying to scare everyone away from not doing it. So I'm a great, I'm the anti-hacking okay. poster boy, you know. That's
9: why you think they're trying to impose such a serious sentence. Why are they saying they're imposing
6: such oh, a they, they sentence? Oh, they say I've damaged every machine I was on. Is that uh, possible? Well, I mean, yeah, you could have done, but um, it wouldn't have been in my interest. I wanted to maintain a quiet presence. Also, they say that it, for it to be an extraditable offence, it has to be worth a year in prison. For it to be worth a year in prison, it has to be $5,000 worth of damage. And as if by magic, lo and behold, every machine I'm on is $5,000 worth of damage.
9: $5,000 worth of damage to each machine? Yeah. Is that possible? How much were those machines
6: worth, do you think? Well, crikey, I mean, in America, PCs are even cheaper than they are over here. I'm sure they probably cost about um, $500. But these are military so PCs? Military PCs, but... So there's a good chance that they're Pretty low spec. Standard. And uh, well, if they weren't standard, they wouldn't have had blank passwords and been running windows and connected to the internet. You acknowledge that what you did was against the law. It was wrong, don't you? Unauthorised access is against the law and is, it is wrong. What do you think is a suitable punishment for someone that did what you did? Um, well, firstly, because of what I was looking for, I think I was morally correct, even though I regret it now. I think um, a free energy technology should be publicly available. Uh, I want to be tried in my own country uh, under the Computing Misuse Act and I want evidence brought forward, or at least want the Americans to have to provide evidence in order to extradite me, because I know there is no evidence of damage. And that is the main brunt of the charges. That's what's gone from six months' community service to 60 years in a foreign jail.
9: Do you understand, maybe, that someone who hacks into such a high level of secure building and such a high level of secure computers that sounds like a serious offence you were hacking just after september the 11th 2001 weren't you well i was hacking <coughs> long before
6: and for a while afterwards and during, as well so you know during the immediate aftermath of 911 no not immediately it was um, actually i think that was around i had actually stopped for a while towards the end of uh, 2000 and um, started again after a few months so I can't even remember if I was doing it at the time, but certainly not, you know, during it, because I, I was with everyone else watching it on television, thinking, crikey. OK.
0: Do you have
9: any tips to stop hackers like yourself from getting into computers
6: within companies or within homes? Yeah, first of all, have a password. Don't have blank passwords. Um, I think your first line of defence is um, stuff that's already part of Windows. Um, So as well as having a good password in the office environment, you should enforce log on and log off hours So no one can log on before or after office hours. Simple tweak to make in the window security Uh, Make sure everyone turns off the machines at night when they go home from the office Or make sure you turn off your router at night if you've got broadband and you go to bed at night Turn off the remote registry service Now let's just talk about that. Can
9: you just talk us through what the remote registry service is and how you turn it off?
6: Okay. Uh, The registry is where lots of information about your computer is stored on the computer. The remote registry service allows a remote user to remotely query your registry. Um, The useful information it contains is um, stuff about your password policy, your usernames, etc, etc. And it's something that you don't need unless you're in a specific situation in an office environment. Uh, Windows XP Home has it turned off by default, but Windows XP Professional doesn't.
9: So Windows XP has basically a button flick somewhere a switch flick somewhere that says allow remote access to my machine and it's switched on um, that facility
6: switched on It's switched like. on by default in Windows XP professional but not Windows XP home yeah. so you would advise users to go in and switch that off yep and if you search on the internet for remote registry switch off there's plenty of guides out there I'm sure
9: uh, just also tell me about the the name of
6: the admin user I thought that was quite interesting when you told me that on the phone yeah if people are um trying to hack a Windows machine. They're after the administrator account, as I was. That's the top dog on the machine. gives you full control of the local machine. Um, one simple technique you can use is just to go into your users and passwords and control panel and rename the administrator, call it, you know, whatever your name is or whatever you like.
9: So hackers won't know what
6: Yeah, so they'll keep trying they administrator on. with lots of different passwords, not knowing the username's wrong, so we'll never get there.
9: Gary, it's been really fascinating. Thanks Great for your time.
6: Stuff. No, thank you.
1: Jeffro, our government claims to tell us all the time they know what's best for us. That That's that's the push, right? With the NSA, you got cameras everywhere around you, your phones that you carry with y- on you at all times. Anybody can get whatever they want from their own American citizens. However, these are the same jackasses that don't know well enough to create a safe password for images they have of non-man-made aircraft. This guy gets in trouble for hacking into all of NASA Armed Force files because he's looking for free energy that he knows exists, and he knows that the U.S. government has. Free energy, zero gravity energy. He knows we have it. Instead of extorting The population, and not just in this country, around the world, people yearn for energy. You live off of it. We have it free. He's trying to open this up and and make it clear to everybody. They want to throw the fucking book at him. Why? Because they're not smart enough to have high-level security. On their own ship, but they want to tell everybody else living in their country, meaning our country, that uh, we don't need it for ourselves. You don't need high-level security for yourself. For any of your information, anytime you, again, submit to an agreement, you're giving away all of your information to them.
2: And they can't even keep that information.
1: They and they can't. can't they Secret. can't. They can't do it. This, these people listen. They strong arm. That's what they do. Okay, I don't care uh, what what level it is—a military complex or uh, intelligence complex. There's no intelligence here. Okay, they, they will strong arm the hell out of everybody here. They use fear. We've seen it time and time again. This country, other countries around the world, they use fear why power wealth? wealth that's what it is and then when you, you you really dig down and you get this guy who says wait a minute i know that you have free energy and you're keeping it away from the public for financial gain or power or wealth you're just keeping it away from the people you don't even have a password on your damn 500 dollar windows computer sitting in nasa come on that's ridiculous This is ridiculous. These people don't know shit. These people who claim to know everything, these people who try to strong-arm everybody every step of the way, whether it's a politician, whether it's military complex or intelligence, because there is no fucking intelligence. They're all just as dumb as the next. Don't let these people strong-arm you because they don't have a fucking clue. None of them do. They're just as lost as anybody else on this rock that's hurling through fucking space. Sorry,
2: that's all right. No, I knew I knew that clip would trigger you because you're you're more technically uh, knowledgeable when it comes to things like coding and a lot of the stuff that he was saying. Whenever I first viewed this video, was almost what well, we see. This Sherman to me. I was just talking to you about our buddy. I, I fixed his laptops,
1: and, and it was one of those things they're doing it. In, in these different areas where they claim, oh, no, your, your your computer has a virus. Oh, is that racist? Oh, well, I don't fucking care, but it happens. You know? Please give us control of your computer. And then all of a sudden, you give them control of your computer and guess what? They have your bank statements, they have your bill statements, they have your credit card statement. they have everything under the sun. A list of your fucking fears. Why? Because the NSA tells them, hey, let's put all of your information and everything you have on your social media and everything that you love holding near and dear to yourself, let's put it this big cloud where anybody can fucking get
2: it oh and by the way let's not put a password on it so anybody can fucking get it anybody foreign foreign governments foreign agencies uh. and what was I believe there was a guy who who was trying to warn everybody
1: about this not so long ago may have been just after that I, was his name Edward Snowden Edward Snowden Where? Yep. what happened to him where did he go He's currently in Russia, is he not? I believe so. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, another government agency called the NSA was trying to extradite him, right? Trying to pull him back to try him and throw the book at him, too. Look, people aren't stupid, Not as stupid as the people think, the people who are thinking that the people are stupid, the people who are strong arming everyone, the people who happen to be in this well known circle or one of the many circles, the smaller it gets, the closer to the top you go. The people outside of these circles aren't that stupid. They're not as stupid as you think they are. I'm sorry, we're not. And anybody listening to this podcast or has. Given the idea that maybe things aren't always what they seem, you're not stupid. None of us are stupid. It's the people who are trying to pass it off to us that are stupid for thinking they can. It's the people who are passing it off and trying to strong arm all of us into thinking. And you know what? And, and maybe on some level we do because how many people are on social media? How many people do submit? I mean, how many streaming applications are there now? Every cell phone's got a camera. People got cameras in their cars. Now Their cameras out in the sidewalks and the streets. There's no such thing as privacy. And I've said this so many times. So what's stopping anybody from watching anyone at any point in time? I'm going into the belly of the beast here soon, so to speak. (laughs) And I've told you, I've, I've told so many people I talk to, my idea of a perfect vacation is away from all of this shit unfortunately it's not it's not the idea of you know the rest of my family and i have to take in that in consideration and i do but uh yeah this this has gotten bananas it's gotten crazy it's gotten crazy jeff Rowe. I could could put a camera on a fish's asshole and see what the hell happens in a pond right now and probably upload it to the NSA and they would come and try to extradite me for... for Animal cruelty. Animal cruelty or, or, or... Sodomizing a fish with a fucking camera when they will do the same damn thing!
2: To us! Yeah, right? And they have! Well... Yeah, figuratively. I mean, they have this technology. They have this secret anti-gravity uh technology. They they know about aliens and that that was the thing that I was getting from him, not so much. I know you were you were kind of when you first heard this you were going nuts because of all the safety protocols. You're like, "Man, uh, you you were more on the technical side kind of." Well, I think I think a lot of things here uh just kind of backfired on
1: On the world itself, right? So with the internet, and as many times as the government has tried to regulate the internet, I say this all the time, that was the final step. That was the final straw of complete takeover. Because right now, you can do anything with the internet. Anything. We, We use the internet for anything and everything, okay? Not to mention, when it was first introduced, it was... It was a weapon. Created by DARPA. It was a military weapon. Right. It was created by DARPA. What happens when you leave that weapon open to the people thinking at some point we're going to take control of this weapon and we're going to trap them within this weapon we're going to use it against them? But it doesn't quite work out that way because, again, the people aren't as stupid as you think they are and they
2: start using that weapon against you. Well, if we try to use it against the elites, all they have to do is catch a ride on their hanaboo and... Leave the atmosphere. Yeah, but here's
1: the problem with that. What happens when you or me or anybody else says, "Hey, listen, uh, they're listening in on us. Something's going to happen," and then that thing happens? It gives gravitas to everything we were talking about, and it triggers more people to look into it, and then more people look into it, and then more people look into it, and then what happens? Uh oh, we
2: we were outnumbered because you are. Absolutely. And I just I, I found it fascinating when he's talking about all this secret information, it just it lends itself to everything that we talked about, right? And and this is free energy. Free energy and free th- energy. This goes all the way back to the eighteen fifties. At least, if not before. And there's, there's one there, there's one more hacker event that I wanted to bring to everybody's attention, and this was a hacker by the name of Matthew Bevan. Uh, well, I want to go ahead and play this next clip and uh, Another this, clip yeah, one more clip. Uh, tell me somebody has some security somewhere uh, well, of course not. he's a hacker <laughs> what what Well, let's check out the clip and uh, we'll, we'll see Mario's head explode. Let's check out the clip.
8: The United States government eventually dropped its case against Gary McKinnon. Perhaps the information was so sensitive, they didn't want to risk going to trial. Are there any other hackers who have discovered evidence of a secret space program?
10: Everybody's heard of Gary McKinnon and the hacking that he did in the early 2000s, looking for information on UFOs, and may actually have stumbled on evidence in terms of documentation related to a secret space program he reportedly uncovered a listing of military personnel that seemed to be like off-planet personnel a lot of people though don't know about the case of matthew bevan which occurred in the mid-1990s and in many respects is more important and more intriguing than the gary mckinnon story Now, back in the early 1990s, when he was still only a young teenager, but he was a brilliant computer expert back then, uh, Matthew Bevan developed a deep interest in UFOs. And by sort of the mid to late uh, 1990s, when he was sort of 16, 17, you know, he was actually starting to hack. And he hacked into the likes of, for example, NASA. Uh, various departments of defense, U.S. Department of Defense programs and sites and and, and formats, etc. And on top of that, he also penetrated Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio. Now, the one reason we know today why he wanted to do that is because Wright-Patterson has a long history of involvement in the UFO subject. For example, we know that the early acknowledged UFO programs of the U.S. military like Project Sign, Project Grudge, and Blue Book operated out of Wright-Patterson. However, there have also been a lot of stories and rumors of crashed UFOs and dead aliens stored at Wright-Patterson. So what Bevan wanted to do was to try and essentially find, you know, the treasure, the gold, if you like, that we're all looking for. And he felt that Wright-Patterson would be the place to go looking for records, if you like, online records or in computer systems on alien autopsies, uh, study of alien technology. Now, he didn't actually find that. But what he did find, and what's really interesting, is evidence of some sort of highly advanced space plane, if you like, that was being developed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and was being studied um, by scientists and and military personnel. What happened was that Bevan penetrated Wright-Patterson systems on a number of occasions and he said he found it extremely easy to get into. he, what he actually found were records on what he described as a split level very weird looking aircraft, kind of like a circular egg-shaped type aircraft split into two levels. The top compartment was sort of the, 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 where the pilots would be, where the crew would be. And the bottom part was the propulsion system. And according to the files that he read, the propulsion system, it was powered by an ultra heavy element and it could perform incredible speeds. Now, this sort of ties in very much with the story that uh, Bob Lazar spoke about in the late 1980s when he was working out at S4. A lot of people dismiss his story, but what Bevan saw on the computer systems was eerily like the kind of things that um, Lazar was talking about, say, seven or eight years prior to this. Now. When Bevan got into the system and saw these files on what essentially was a secret space plane, um, he thought he'd got in there and got out without being noticed. But unfortunately for him, that was not the case.
1: So Jeff wrote, once again, we have a hacker getting into some top secret files that are kept on a computer, apparently, um... Wright-Patterson Air Airfield Air Base whatever which again we all know
2: is high quote-unquote high security right supposedly supposedly apparently got in there pretty easily just like McKinnon quite easily this has to make you wonder and if anything it
1: does make me wonder You, you Let's start with the, the we started with JFK, right? This, the presidency, right? right? He was talking about secret societies, you know, speaking out against secret societies, right? Because he knew secret societies were going to do what they were all about: power, gain of wealth. That's 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 what they're about. There's no there's no reason. They're it's all nefarious. It's all nefarious. So he spoke out against it, and then he ends up dead, assassinated. Wasn't there a president recently who was speaking out against secret societies and deep states, and again, the notion was pushed that he's... A nut job, and anybody who listens to them is a nut job. They're a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist, a term that comes from anybody who didn't believe that JFK was assassinated by Lee Harvey Oswald, who coincidentally ended up being assassinated right after him. You know, you don't want somebody to talk, you just shut them up. That's how these people work. And we see this time and time again, and... uh I almost wonder. Yes, we have a president who was a loose cannon at the time. I, well, I, and I'm talking about Trump. Okay, he was a loose cannon. Look, I'm not gonna lie. The guy was he was a loose cannon. There were times when he was talking, and I'm like, oh, come on, man, shut up! No one to shut up to shut up, but he didn't. The arrogance of this guy was kind of appealing. To me, anyway, and I I know it was appealing to a lot of people, too, because everybody knew that everything he was talking about. If people actually looked into these things and seen the fact that was backing everything that he was talking about, you wouldn't call them conspiracy theorists anymore. You would look at them and say, okay, somebody's talking about this. Finally, somebody's talking about these things. Anytime I see, and again, I know he is a right-wingist, Tucker Carlson when he talks about UFOs and things like that everybody else in the media and including the people on that particular news channel from time to time they laugh at him they, they laugh him right on screen but it's fine he, he let the whatever okay but if there's fact behind something that you're talking about whether it's deep state secret societies UFOs free energy, whatever it may be. If there's information there, it needs to be explored. The problem is, instead of telling people, hey, explore this for yourself, you have the mainstream media telling everybody else that the people telling you to explore this stuff are just a bunch of conspiracy theorists. You're not going to find anything. Don't bother looking. Furthermore, you make the correlation between JFK and Trump, right? And Trump was good friends with JFK Jr., Jr. was he not? Right, yeah. Okay. You're telling me that Kennedy knew of a secret space program. Absolutely. What did Trump recently try to do? And that brings us full circle here, right? Again, he, he, he implements... A Space Force. And what did the mainstream media do and the rest, the majority of the politicians, both left and right, what did they immediately do? They laughed at him. They laughed at him. But is it possible, and I know we spoke about this before, is it possible he knew of a threat, an existing threat already? Is it possible? Is it possible that he knew they were after him and as he said many many times they're not just after me they're after all of you he's right and if all this is if all this adds up he's right is it possible that he was getting ready to release some of this information and then was stopped somehow right and i almost wonder like we were just talking about i almost wonder the guy's not Look, Arrogant, yes. And ass, yeah, sure. Uh, Derogatory, definitely. Stupid, no. 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 Far, far, far from stupid. So he had to, at some point, anticipate somebody coming after whatever it was that he had. And I wonder if they found it.
2: And you know what I'm talking about yeah yeah absolutely. And before we go there, I just want to wrap up the technology thing and the the technology part of the, this final episode with this uh, bevan information. he again discloses and what he found on those computers was a secret sp- spe- secret spaceship okay that was being worked on by this elite class and he he corrobor- right he corroborates everything that we've talked about with Bob Lazar mm-hmm. and the heavy element, you know one fifteen, and again, I don't know how that can just be glossed over and not focused on as well, and I thought it was important to go ahead and display that this information constantly is being suppressed going from Kennedy up to current times. okay, And then that leads us into exactly what you're talking about with Trump. Now, everything that he claims when it comes to how the media is against the public, the media is fake news, these are all elements that Kennedy warned about and said that he was against in that speech about secret societies at the beginning of this podcast. He kept talking about how the news shouldn't stand in the way of a presidency, uh, of a regime, when communicating information to the public, because the public can handle it, and the public deserves to know, and he trusts the public's ability to discern information. A Democrat. A, well, it <laughs> doesn't the, really the, matter. At the time, he, was, he was a Democrat, no, to yeah. give
1: the idea at the time... Before people start, you know, before people are out there listening to uh, maybe you're bebopping down the road, you're listening to this podcast with maybe your friend or somebody and they're shaking their head at you going, oh, my God, really? You're listening to these guys, really? We're talking about a Democrat. Well, and let's not forget that Trump was a Democrat for a long time. Well, that's that's my point, because right now we are so divided in this country, which is exactly what they want. They want division. They don't... Because as soon as as soon as soon people start working together, they realize what the hell's going on, and they're in big trouble. Big, big trouble. But that's the problem. People are having a difficult time coming to reality and pulling their head out of the clouds, turning off the TV, thinking for themselves, doing their own research. So when you look at these things, you find that it's not right or left it's right and wrong and that's that's what we're talking about here
2: right absolutely and uh so trump just like kennedy seems to be coming up against this force the secret space force or the secret space program right and you were talking about trump's space force it's almost like akin to kennedy's public space program right yep. it's, it's almost a mirror image that like you said he had some connections with the kennedy family so there's no doubt in my mind that he possibly knew some of the stuff that kennedy knew and here here we are again He's Have you an heard outsider. anything from from space force at all has anybody, Not much? well other than you since know, he left since he left his seat of power it's been squashed right it's almost like they want to try to eliminate it
1: right it's disappeared. it's completely disappeared i mean it existed make no mistake it existed right everybody was saying oh we're not going to have a space force never going to happen never going he made it a thing space force was a thing yeah it's a branch of the military branch of the military but nothing now
2: well you don't hear anything publicly about it but again maybe it may be one of those things that this elite class is always trying to Subvert, you know, try to do away with, you know. Now that they get them out of office, and I think what we've done a good job of uh, in this series is we constantly talk about they, right? You, you use the the word they shortly uh, a few minutes ago. Whenever you talk about the they or the them, I distinctly believe that the they or the them that we talk about, you know, the big brother, the uh, the man. That group of people is this elitist Nazi group that's in connection and in and, and union with the elite American political and, and military and, and Freemasons. Right. Corporation, Freemasons. Right. this this elite group that has this unlimited power and Anytime you have somebody that is not willing to play ball, whether it's Kennedy or any other political figure, whether it be Trump or uh, Rand Paul or uh, any of these other people, if if you don't play ball, you know this is what Joe Rogan talks about. You know, as soon as you get into the Oval Office, they sit you down and show you the Supruder film, right? And this is that group this is that elite group. This is that breakaway civilization that has anonymity and with anonymity you become an internet troll or in this case you become a political troll. You can do whatever you want. Force anybody to do whatever they want. And I believe this actually lends itself to some of the current political issues that are going on today. And you and I I just recently saw a video that we're going to nearly end the the episode with that gives a little bit of insight. This comes from uh, Glenn Greenwald, which is a really good reporter. Um, And he was recently, a few months ago, on Breaking Points again. But he, he almost illuminates us to some information that without previous podcasts that we've, you know, laid out might not hold a lot of, uh, might not hold a lot of fact or, or importance to you, but given all the information we've displayed or, or provided, this gives a whole new context to what it is that Glenn Greenwald reports on.
1: I, I also, cause I, I know I mentioned, you know, we were talking about, uh, Breakaway civilization and, and the Nazis, and I made the correlation with Freemasons. I'm not saying that Uncle Jim Bob, who's a Freemason, is a Nazi. That's that's not the claim I'm making. Um, I would say go back and listen to some other some of our other episodes. We actually did an episode on Freemasons. We make the the idea, we paint the idea of a beehive, right? And there's different levels to. A secret society, and that's all we're saying here. That's that's a, that's that's what we're talking about here. A lyric comes to mind from a song in "Living Color": "A cult of personality." Right? And you remember that song when he says, "When a leader speaks, a leader dies." Right. Whether it be figuratively or literally, because either way, they'll find
2: a way to shut you. I'm, again, they we'll find a way to shut you up and the they is this invading yonkers prussian nazi elite that has this this treaty with the american elites that in my mind at this point after doing some of this research i don't want to go so far as to say that it's fact but if it's not at least completely plausible it, it, it's plausible. I, I, the but stuff i come is, across. It's, it's, it, it
1: doesn't come from nothing, though. We can find fact here. Even if it's little bits and pieces of facts surrounding one solution of an idea. And all you have to do is connect the dots. And we say it all the time on here. We say it all the time. All you have to do is connect the dots. We're going to try to connect the dots for you. We'll, we'll paint the picture. We want everybody to do their own research. Check out some of the stuff that we were talking about. Uh, again... You know, We're not telling anybody what to think on here. It's not what we want to do. You, if, if you're just going to agree with us, then we've kind of destroyed the whole idea. We just want to intrigue the mind and get people to find this stuff out. Look into it. Let us know if you find anything. Let us know if we missed something.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to we're going to finish this up here pretty quickly uh on this last leg. I know this has been a really long podcast and a lot of you guys uh fans have have waited. Our schedules have been pretty chaotic. So uh we wanted to nicely wrap up this episode with all the information that we've come in this series uh come come to during this series. It's a lot of information, a lot of processing. So uh, no one <laughs> no one is expected to retain everything. But finishing up with the Trump thing, this is where the genesis of this podcast kind of came from. Going back to when we started, uh, when I opened up and said that the whole Delta Force logo kind of uh, popped in my head whenever we were talking about Trump. And I knew of a lot of this information going back 10, 12 months ago. And as soon as I saw that Delta Force logo, which is basically it almost looked like a Star Trek logo, right? With a Pharaoh above the head of the, the Space Force. And what it is, is the Delta 18, uh, Delta 18 Force Special Forces, Air Force Special Forces logo. Uh, just all this stuff kind of flooded in my mind, right? And this was right around the same time that something else was happening. Um, and then in the process of getting this episode out, something political has happened uh, in America that Glenn Greenwald reports on that might shine a little bit more of a light on how we're going to conclude this. So check this clip out and uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and comment on the backside.
11: So I've never been somebody who thought that the corporate media is quote unquote liberal, um, nor did I ever think they were conservative. I believe the ideology of the the corporate media is pro-establishment. And in particular, they're particularly deferential when it comes to the US security state. And all the stories that we've seen over the last 20 years that received so much criticism from the Iraq War to Russiagate to the 2008 financial crisis were all about these media outlets being completely subservient to ruling elite power centers. And the reason why media outlets dislike Snowden and Assange and so many people like them, even though those people are the ones enabling journalists to do the job they claim they're there to do, is because their sources inside the CIA and the FBI and the Justice Department and the White House hate Snowden and Assange, and therefore they just reflect reflexively those same biases. That is what these media outlets are for. Right. And I mean, what's the future here uh, for Snowden and just it, by the Biden administration? I saw, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, Glenn, but the White House referred all questions on Snowden citizen to the DOJ, indicating that the prosecution and the current policy continues under this administration, which was considered, I mean, extreme even at the time under the Obama administration when they were also in charge. Yeah, you know, let me just use your question, Sagar, to make two mm. points that are actually related. One is that this whole idea of Snowden being in Russia and the way they use that to suggest he was a Russian spy. Let's remember that he didn't choose in the first instance to go to Moscow. He went to Hong Kong and he was there when he contacted us. And at the time, you can go back and read the same stories from the same outlets. We're accusing him of being a Chinese spy. Why, if he were a Russian spy, would he have gone and, and to Hong Kong and called us there instead of to Moscow in the first instance. But the more important point is when he left Hong Kong, he was trying to get everybody knows to Ecuador and Bolivia where he was gonna ask for and, and receive asylum the way Ecuador had given asylum to Assange. And he had to transit through Moscow on his way to Havana and the, the, the Obama administration led by Joe Biden did everything possible to block him from leaving Moscow. Ben Rhodes boasted, bragged in his own book about he called the Cubans and said, if you want us to lift this embargo, if you wanna have better relations with us, you better not do anything to help Edward Snowden get out of Moscow, because if you do, there'll be no political space to do it. The reason he's in Russia isn't because he chose to be, it's because the Obama administration forced him to be precisely so that they could turn around and get morons to think, oh, well, if he's in Russia, he must be a Kremlin spy. And that is the problem is, it was the Trump administration considering actively pardoning Snowden. I think it was one of Trump's more cowardly moves not to have done that. The reason he didn't was because the second impeachment trial was hanging over his head and Marco Rubio and Lindsey Graham made clear and Mitch McConnell, if you pardon Snowden, we're going to vote uh, for your own impeachment, but he didn't. And now the Biden administration, which was a part of the Obama administration, is continuing this repressive attack on whistleblowers that led to Snowden not being able to come back to the United States in the first place. Yep, I had never heard that before, Glenn. That there was a threat from Rubio and Graham mm-hmm. and some of the more like hawkish, pro-security state uh, Republicans to potentially vote to convict. Trump in that impeachment hearing over uh, Snowden. Is there, just explain that a little bit more to me because that's a new piece of information for me. Yeah, so you know, obviously I was somebody who was working very uh, actively, both publicly advocating but also in private, doing everything I could to secure a pardon for both Assange and Snowden, Snowden being my source and Assange being someone I regard as heroic. And uh, there was real movement inside the Trump administration to give particularly Snowden a pardon. They came much closer to Snowden than they did to Assange. And if you think about it, why would they have initiated an impeachment proceeding against a president who within a couple of weeks was on his way out? And the reason, Crystal, was that they were very afraid that on his way out, uh, uh, Trump was gonna do a bunch of stuff including not just giving pardons to to Snowden and Assange, but also declassify all kinds of documents he had been threatening to declassify about the CIA, about the Kennedy assassination. And the only leverage they had against Trump doing what they considered crazy stuff on his way out was the second impeachment trial, and they explicitly communicated to Trump, multiple Republican kind of hawkish senators did, that if you do what we know you're thinking about doing, what Rand Paul and Matt Gates and others were encouraging him to do, which was pardon Snowden, that will severely jeopardize your chances of getting out of this impeachment trial with an acquittal. And that was the kind of sword of Damocles hanging over his head during that transition. All right. Um, Does that relate to the documents that he then takes to Mar-a-Lago? Because there's some reporting that the documents that he took there were, you know, related to Russiagate. They were things that, you know, he had flirted with declassifying before but didn't for whatever reason. Do you know if there's a connect there? What I know for sure is that Trump was threatening to declassify all of those documents relating to Russiagate because Trump believes, I think with a lot of validity, that there were crimes committed or at least ethical transgressions committed during the 2016 election to create and manufacture Russiagate. It came out of the CIA. And I don't know exactly which documents he took. Nobody really knows exactly which documents Mm -hmm. he took, but it certainly seems to align with everything I knew at the time, which was that Trump wanted those documents public. Um, had the power to to, to declassify them, and now his defense is that he did. Um, I'm not saying that those are the only documents he took. He probably took a bunch, being Trump, just kind of did it all recklessly. Um, But I would think there's certainly a relationship between his belief that documents were being hidden that should be seen and his decision to remove a lot of documents out of the White House to Mar-a-Lago.
2: So there we go. It's very plausible that this Mar-a-Lago raid was an effort to go ahead and retract highly secret documents that Trump was going to hold as leverage.
1: Or so it would seem. I, right. Again, I just don't believe that he he's not an idiot. He's not that stupid. He's not going to leave these secret documents in his home
2: knowing that they're going to come after them. Or maybe he made copies of them and knew they were going to come after him. That too. And he, and he took the copies and he he squirreled them away. You know, like you said, he's not dumb. Chances are he probably took some more of the pertinent documents, you know, like the Kennedy documents and whatnot. He knew they were going to come after him. If they, if they were missing from the archives, obviously they were going to come after him. So what would be the best thing? Take them to Mar-a-Lago? Photocopy them, Leave them out? He knew they were going to He knew the FBI is is corrupt and they were going to come and take him. Who's to say that
1: if he does run again, which a lot of people are saying he is going to run again, who's to say that's not his leverage for getting back in the White House also?
3: Right. I, I don't
2: know. I just, again, I thought it was very interesting how all this sort of played out right around the same time that we were going to release this information and what it... Reminds me of again is somebody who has exponential power that seemingly no one can have control of, right? They couldn't control Kennedy, they can't control Trump. And even though he may be bombastic and abrasive, I, I think at his core, he really does want to well, it would let take information out. It would take somebody of that nature
1: to do these things. Because somebody who, who goes in shy and timid and easily strong-armed and manipulated, they're not going to
2: get that far. No, no. And and you have to have a big set to, to go ahead and stand up against the establishment. Name a better person. And, you know, if, if there is I, secret documents of, of free energy, you're right. He, he would be the one. It sounds like we're
1: riding as nuts right now. We're not doing that. And I know it does. I know it sounds like that, but we're just putting all the puzzle pieces together. We're not saying that, you know, this guy is a savior or anything like that. We're just following the information trail that is behind him and all the information that has led from Kennedy up to Donald Trump, the, the, the,
2: the last administration. Right. Well and and what I think is interesting is if you take all this information going all the way back to the first of this episode if you believe we've given enough evidence scientifically to prove that there was alternative technology exotic technology that was available and then if you think in the second episode we've given enough information enough you know uh, anecdotal proof that the Nazis was able to uh, take advantage of this technology and and create some sort of breakaway and some sort of uh, uh breakaway civilization that that basically has no oversight and then if if this becomes a force right this this treaty between them and the, and the elite American. Political, military, industrial Not just complex, Americans, all this just elite, period. just elite period, right? The the world elite, the one percent, you know, the one percent of the one percent. Because I mean, these figures—they're—they're they're everywhere, right? They're in Europe, they're in Australia, they're they're Asia, they're everywhere, everywhere, right? So, if you have this force and this force in this episode, if if you're following along, you see that Kennedy came up against some sort of dark entity, some sort of uh, deep state, the they, the them that we talk about all the time. And he did all he could to fight against it. He did everything he could to try to get the information out that, hey, listen, technology-wise, we are so much more advanced than what the public is being told. But that information is worth so much money and so much power to these elites that they did not want that information out. So they did away with the person that was causing the problem, right? Or
1: so they thought. Or so they thought. Because everybody in that family since then has been walking around with a target on their back. Maybe that family has information that
2: uh, they're trying to get out. Right. And then you go ahead and you fast forward and you're thinking, okay, well... As we, we displayed in this episode, the technology didn't just stop there, right? They they continued to advance that technology, and you've got the McKinnon information, you've got the Bevan information, that they're just, listen, it's out there. Now, who's, who comes along the scene to push back against the elites? It just, co- you know, coincidentally happened to be Trump at this point. Somebody who was
1: well known to be familiar with with
2: the Kennedy family. I mean, he was right,
1: right there with them,
2: right? So, and and you know, he's at an age probably in his life where you know he knows he's got a few decades left, and if that, and a he's few like
1: decades, man. He's lucky if he <laughs> a few well, decades.
2: Come on. I like to think the people who start are currently living longer and longer. I don't know if that's that's accurate a lie. Or
1: not. That's a complete lie. Okay. If
2: anything, it's completely backwards. It's it's, it's reverse that. Either way, he's he's near the end, and I think he has a you know, I don't give a fuck, sort of, you know, filter, and he's trying to get as much information out as possible, and now he's being suppressed from being able to do that. Uh, he he wanted to. Let the whistleblowers go and Snowden and, and Assange, but they held over his head the fact that if he did that, he wasn't for sure gonna be able to run again. So right. he's took Get the ready. information. He took the information to Mira Lago. Right. And then that that caused the raid. Get
1: ready because if he does run again, which is a very, very good chance that he is going to run again. It's going to be chaotic, man. I mean, you thought whenever he ran and won the 2016 election and ran and lost the 2020 election, if you thought that that was chaotic, it's it's going to be a frenzy if this happens. I mean, it's just going to be a complete, complete meltdown of people. Media, corporations, it's... I I almost... You know what? Fuck it. It, Let's enjoy the ride. Let's just see what happens. That's where I'm at now. As bad as it sounds, as bad as it sounds, I'm at the point in my life right now where it's just like, show it to me. Here we go. And he may very well do that if he gets that next term. I think people have had enough of big government telling them what they're ready for and what they're not
2: no I agree and uh, for my part I would go ahead and end this on the fact that we've been talking about a lot of exotic technology and a lot of the stuff that is out there possibly and President Trump or or anybody else who might come into power having a fight like hell just to get basic information out Uh, there was a guy who was in charge of Skunk Works, his name was Ben Rich, and he was quoted one time uh, near the near the end of his time with with Skunk Works. He had a quote, and this quote's pretty famous. I guess people who are into alternative information knows this quote. But regarding technology, his quote was: "We already have the means to travel amongst the stars, but these technologies are locked up in black projects." And would take an act of God. To ever get them out. To benefit humanity. Anything you can imagine. We already know how to do. Ben Rich. And this quote was made in the 80's. Whenever he was retiring. So. I think there's a lot of technology out there. And. It would be super beneficial to humanity. If we could ever. Pry it from the cold dead hands of this elite class. And it, it all the, all the imaginations of futuristic of a futuristic world that we see in movies is attainable and beyond and beyond. Well, Jeffro, I uh, I'm tired of shit,
1: buddy. <laughs> uh I think we're going to call this, you know what? I just been editing this on a fly. If I missed a few things and you hear some ins and outs like uh we're gonna play a clip here. Maybe we'll play a clip. I don't know. Maybe that was purposely put in. You know, maybe that was <laughs> uh a little uh, me being a little facetious with the uh, podcast in itself. Who knows? But I'll tell you this. Again, I think people, not just American people, people all over the world are tired of Big Brother whichever big big brother it is telling them what they're ready to handle what they can't handle what they can't handle we've had enough i think um,
2: yeah absolutely
1: and if you don't think that jeff and i have more to talk about
2: we've got plenty more to talk about oh absolutely i know this is probably one of our longer episodes but we wanted to get all the information out there and again i know it's a lot of information all three of these episodes but uh if if you can't consume everything and remember everything you know uh re-listen and if you think we've missed something or something we said has tickled your funny bone and you, you know you want to reach out let us know we appreciate feedback
1: Yes, we do, and we will try to get around to responding to anyone's feedback as much as possible, as soon as possible. Again, very busy, both of us. Very, very busy. Um, I'm trying to make time to spend with my family the next week, so I will be out into the belly of the beast, and
5: we will return Jeffro. Until then. Until then, Mario.